Hey Bubblers and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's the podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host Jen and in the pod basement I have a whole little group of tolerables and we've gathered here today to talk about one of the most polarizing actors of our time. An actor's actor. The wild, the crazy, the cagey, the award-winning Nicolas Cage. So today for this very important chat I have with me Laura and Eric but also someone new to tolerate. Welcome, Adam, to the pod basement. Thank you. So glad to be here. Yay! And hi, Laura and Eric. Hello. Oh, hello. yeah. We're glad to be yeah. here. Hey, dude. <laughs> yeah, you guys are here, too. <laughs> so, let's see. Um, Adam's here because, A, Eric vouched for him. So, if he sucks, it's Eric's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I can live with that. A lot that. of pressure on yeah. him now. <laughs> and he's a huge Nicolas Cage fan. So, when we... When this idea came up, I put together a spreadsheet of all of Nick's acting credits, and at the time it was 108, and I was fucking impressed with how many you checked off as had seen. I'm not even sure of the number, but it's probably a few. So yeah, so today we're going to be talking about Nicolas Cage and a whole handful of his movies. So uh, take a close look at the, uh, I almost said position description, episode description. I'll try and have all the movie titles there, but... 108, we're going to try and hit at least half of them, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll try our best. Yeah. <laughs> when, okay, Adam, since you're the new one here, how long have you been a Nicolas Cage fan? And when you hear that there's a new Nick Cage movie, what's kind of like your initial reaction? So I've been a Nicolas Cage fan since I saw The Rock, which came out in 96, so I think I was about 13. Prior to that, I hadn't seen any of his uh, earlier roles, like... Um, Red Rock West or um, Raising Arizona or anything like that. But it was a good time for me to get into Nicolas Cage because The Rock was a pinnacle of Hollywood blockbuster at the time, and I just loved it. And then immediately after that, you've got Con Air and Face Off, and, you know, I was totally into him after seeing those movies, like, over the course of two years when they came out. So I was an instant fan, and then I started going kind of into his back catalog uh, and seeing some of his older stuff, which I also loved. So these days when a new Cage movie comes out, I'm, I'm always interested to see what he's doing. I, I feel like uh, there was a period of time maybe during the mid-2010s when he was kind of just churning them out. But uh, I, I don't know. These days, I'm, I look forward to any Cage movie that comes out. I'll check it out. I'll give it a chance. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right on. Eric, same question. First Cage movie I remember seeing, honestly, was probably Face Off. It's a very good chance that, you know, other old, some of his older movies had, you know, played in my living room at some point, and I just was too young to really remember it. Uh, but Face Off is the one that sticks out to me the most, is the one that really got me started in, a cur- you know, liking him as an actor. And a lot like a lot like Adam, um, the further along I got in to know his, uh, to, know, to know the movies he was in, and uh, the more I delved into his back catalog, especially during this period more than anything, at any time in my life, actually. And I've been incredibly impressed with what I've seen, both for good and for bad, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, but all, overall, I mean, I think when I hear there's a new movie coming out, it gets me a little excited, a little more excited now um, than it probably would have 10, 15 years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Because for better or for worse, you're going to get a particular performance out of Nick Cage, no matter how good or bad the movie is. So you're either going to get like you're either going to get like a Red Rock West performance, or 
you know, uh, leaving Las Vegas performance, or you're going to get a Valley Girl performance, or even though I didn't see it as sure, a jujitsu performance, <laughs> which I can already imagine where that's going. You, you know? all have the benefit of my my live chatting, my <laughs> reaction to this movie. Yeah. So it was just fantastic. <laughs> I admit the way I'm you excited. kind of the way you were posting about it, I was like, I kind of want to see this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really good. Yeah. <laughs> This sucks. You should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> if okay. I have to torture myself, so do you. The, my my favorite was Misery when loves company. My, my favorite part was when the alien gives jujitsu. It's <laughs> <laughs> like what? Oh, if you could have actually seen my reaction, like Aaron got the brunt of that. I was like, what is this shit? I trained in jujitsu. <laughs> You didn't get I it from some alien. an alien for it? <laughs> oh, oh, so before sending E.T. Okay. home, you'd be like, all right, before we send you home, buddy, why don't you hook up the jujitsu? Is that what the glowing finger did? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I have to watch this now. You do? I kind of want to see it now, too. All yeah. Right, but only if you live chat it, because that way it's fun for me. Okay, good, you got it. All right. You gotta do Fair it. enough. But yeah, Laura, how long have you been in the cage fan? <laughs> you can't even say that with a straight face. So Laura's, the role Laura is playing is that she is not a big time Nick Cage fan, I nope. think, as much as the three of us are. So we needed someone to kind of balance us out and be like, the fuck is wrong with you? Or as she likes to continue to post the gif of Ryan Reynolds in the scrub going, but why? <laughs> yeah, that's my reaction to like so many Nick Cage movies. Okay. So, similarly to Eric, the first Nick Cage movie that I remember seeing as a kid was Face Off. I'm still surprised my parents let me watch it, but then again, they had us watch Nightmare on Elm Street when we were five, so I don't know. Me too! I don't know. I feel like parents from our parents had less standards when it came to movies that the, they were letting us watch. The fact I, that we made it out of the 80s alive. <laughs> there's no TV rating system. Well, especially really, in my case. Not until so. not until like mid later eighties. Okay. It was but because oh. of Gremlins and Indiana Indian my God, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom because those oh, two were rated sure. PGs. Were yeah. Um, oh, but yes, there was no like TV seven and yeah, nothing like that. No, and you know we wouldn't have relied on that anyway. It's just no. like pick a video, pop it in the VCR, be kind, um, rewind, right? But. I did enjoy Face Off as a movie, but here's the thing. What got me into it was like, hey, that's that guy from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like my Nick Cage movie viewing can kind of be characterized in that way. What is the premise of the movie? If the overall premise is like a heist movie, I'm there. I don't care who's in it um, or who else is in the movie. Like, Mm-hmm. Every Nick Cage movie I've enjoyed, I've watched it because of somebody else was in it, and he just happened to be in it too. <laughs> oh man! I feel like you you accurately represent probably the majority of people that see Nicolas Cage in movies that they're watching it just because or of someone else or the genre or something. Maybe yeah. not just him. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for a heist movie. We could sure. do a whole podcast episode on those. <laughs> but yeah, definitely not a Nick Cage fan coming into this. Um, I have broadened my perspective a little bit, but I'm still not like, oh my god, there's a new Nick Cage movie, except like when the... the title is Jiu-Jitsu, and then it totally disappoints me. Like, see, <laughs> this is why we don't do this. So over the last couple of months, then, with all the movies that you have watched, uh, have you 
even though you broadened your horizons, have you gained at least a finer appreciation for his acting skills, or do you cringe even more now? <laughs> it's not that I never appreciated his acting skills, yeah. because there obviously is still there, yeah. and, you know, probably growing up in that environment helped learn that on, like, a whole nother level, yeah. and, um, you know, it also takes a certain kind of freedom that I've never personally experienced to, like, totally just express yourself the way that he does sure so and that video i found that we watched where it kind of explained the the methods behind that and mm -hmm. everything kind of helped me understand that a little better mm -hmm. in terms of like he's rebelling against the whole realism um i don't know trend that that hollywood's been on for such a long time yeah and you're not supposed to relate to his characters sure but it's still caginess yeah. And I feel like there are times where it fits in really well, whether he's a main character or a supporting character. And I actually think caginess is perfect in a supporting mm -hmm. role. But there are other times where it's just like, you're not even respecting the story you're telling because you're too busy being Nick Cage. And I, I can't get behind that. It's not that I need to relate with your characters. I just need you to respect the story you're telling because mm -hmm. uh, I have attention span issues from like the brain damage I have. You gotta give me something I can engage with, and I cannot. I, if I cannot empathize or relate with your character, then I have to have something else. Yeah. And I'm just like, nope. So there were a few movies where I'd get like a third of the way through, and I'm like, I, I can't do anymore. I'm not even watching this anymore. I'm doing something else right now, and I'm, I didn't even realize it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I I've come to appreciate more roles that he's done, but I will never be excited about a Nick Cage role. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when you hear that there's a new Nick Cage movie, like uh, this new one, Prisoners of Ghostland, without knowing anything, like your kind of initial reaction is, is it... Ugh. It's... Oh god, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> what now? Because, I mean, Jiu-Jitsu was a, a newer movie, right? It was 2020 it yep. came out. It's like... Oh wow! Someone finally did, appreciates this enough to do a movie about it. Okay, Nick Cage is in it. I don't know how to feel about that, but whatever. Let's give it. Oh my god, no! <laughs> and that's what I feel like any Nick Cage movie could be. Is like, okay, the description of the movie sounds interesting, but also kind of out there. Um, not sure never how know this what is you're gonna, gonna go. Mm -hmm. You turn it on and you get into it. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a Cage quote, actually, that I think um, helps explain this um, kind of nom-nom that you described of never knowing what you're going to get with him. He said that he believes the worst thing an actor can do is copy another actor. So he, it seems like he's always trying to do something that hasn't been done before or not imitate anyone intentionally. Hmm. That's respectable. Yeah, yeah. I can get behind that. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, for me, my the first time, the first movies I remember seeing Nicolas Cage in were uh, Peggy Sue Got Married and Raising Arizona. So Peggy Sue Got Married, I yeah, more of a supporting because it's centered around Kathleen Turner's character. But, you know, and he's like a high school boyfriend, but he's mm -hmm. got that voice. That voice. That oh nasally goodness. voice. And it drove me nuts for so long, but I've come to like just love it and appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And then with Raising Arizona, completely different voice, accent. And in that video that I'll try and remember to post, um, 
he's talked about, they talk about his different, you know, the methods and the accents and the voices that he uses. But in Raising Arizona, it was the hair. His Woody Woodpecker hair. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought that up because we just watched that this morning. And, uh, yeah, um, his look in that movie is just the way he acted and the way he looked all defined what I think what we would call his caginess. Like, yeah. from head to toe in that in that role. It was great. That's I mean, that's just a great movie all around. Mm-hmm. Great cast and, you know, Coen Brothers and yada yada, but... I didn't even know John Goodman, uh, mm-hmm. or actually I shouldn't say I didn't know because I've seen the movie before, but it's been many years, so I forgot that John Goodman was in that movie, and I forgot how much I enjoyed watching John Goodman on mm-hmm. film. Yeah, know? and you know what, and I'm always a sucker for any time there's a fight scene in a trailer, so <laughs> those are always the best. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I wonder what a short list of those movies would be. I mean, I can only, right now I only think of Raising Arizona and Kill Bill 2. Kill Bill is what Kill just Bill came two. to mind, yeah. yeah. Kill Bill 2, yeah. And just something about people getting thrown through trailer walls. <laughs> well, it's totally plausible. I yeah. mean, they're not like the most sturdiest thing in the world. Or so. even in like Raising Arizona, when, who was it, Cage? He had his like hands clasped and raised above his head to go mm-hmm. like bring it down on John oh, Goodman, but scrapes his knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Feels good. So, but whenever I hear, I, I get excited. Because, again, you don't know what kind of Cage film you're going to get when there's a new one coming out. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be a Willy's Wonderland? Is it going to be a Mandy? Or is it going to be an adaptation? It's such a wide range. Mm-hmm. And I think because of his financial issues and inability to say no to mm-hmm. acting roles, we've kind of, in the last, like, yeah, 10 years or so, come to expect cheesy jujitsu mm-hmm. kind of level movies. But then he surprises us, like with Pig. Mm-hmm. I mean, like... We can go into talking about um, his legit movies versus his cagey roles. I mean, there's so much to dive into today and super excited. So my brain's just kind of going a mile a minute. (laughs) But we'll start off with the early roles. So some of the ones, you know, some of his earliest films are uh, like Fast Times, where he's more of a side character, not centered around him. But then Valley Girl. Um, I did watch Rumblefish, and he's only a side character in that. Because that's centered around, like, Matt Dillon and Mickey Rourke. And that's a really good fucking movie, BT Dub. So you should check it out. Probably because of the other people who are in it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a solid cast. And he's, Rourke, yeah, and he's just, he's, he's just, yeah, a side character. He's, like, Matt Dillon's one of his buddies. He's only in it a couple, little bit in the beginning and a little bit towards the end. But, so you don't get a whole lot of, like, caginess. Did he go by the name of Cage? He did go by Cage by that point. By the time... I think Valley Girl. Valley Girl, yeah. So, because he was teased at on the set of Fast Times, yeah. and I had always thought like, I had always assumed he kind of used his family name as a bit of leverage, or it was just something that inadvertently helped his career. Yeah. But in doing a bit of research, finding out that he was um, teased on Fast Times, so he decided to separate himself mm-hmm. from the family name, which I thought was awesome. And then he adopted the. Uh, uh, surname Cage, mm-hmm. and I love that because then finding out where he got that inspiration. Did from, you guys catch? From Luke Cage. Yep, from yep. comics. Because he's a, he's a huge. In fact, that's actually one of the things I wrote and written down here is that you know Nick Cage has always been, and this just really you know was kind of close to home for me. He's a huge comic book nerd, huge comic book nerd, and I didn't realize until I did my own research too that he was inspired by the character Luke Cage from Marvel Comics to. 
you know, adopt that name for himself, and it's fitting. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I didn't with, know that. Yeah, yeah, with his, uh, just with his love for pop culture and for superheroes, I think it suits him as not just a character, but as an individual bit as well. So I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't understand is why they were teasing him about who his family is in the first place. Yeah, because like, it was the eighties. What's the big deal? Well, Bullies ruled in the eighties, right? <laughs> that's true, and and you got to look at kind of the years a little bit. So I was just looking the first credited role where he was Nicolas Cage was Valley Girl that came out in eighty three. If you look at his uncle's um, list of films, uh, at that point, uh, The Godfather, Godfather 2, mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now, and The mm-hmm. Outsiders had come out already. So maybe he I was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they're all fantastic, but maybe he's like, I just got to do my own thing. I don't want to become like the Fonda family or something like sure. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some more of his earlier films. Um, we've got, uh, you know, Raising Arizona, Vampire's Kiss, Wild at Heart. Honeymoon in Vegas, Red Rock, Red Rock West. And I've written down, during this period, John Willis's Screen World, Volume 36, listed him as one of 12 promising new actors of 1984. Based on those movies, I could get behind that. I could see why. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty strong, you know, resume that you have for yourself up to that point. I mean, I think the only one in that list that you named that probably kind of stands out as its own standalone caginess type film would be Vampire Kiss, but I mean, that was a very very strong period for his career I feel. And yeah, Wild at Heart. Wild at Heart, yeah, I mean, yeah. Wild at Heart was something I was blown away by that. Yeah, that was, that was very good. I don't think he was particularly cagey at that point in his career, though, either. I think well, at that point, you could argue that he was still at least somewhat prescribing to the whole realism. I don't think I was trying to say like that's kind of what he was going for. I'm just saying like if we go back and watch Vampire's Kiss now, we can see it kind of like as a cagey style film. Oh, Mm -hmm. for sure. You know, but back then, yeah, before that was even coined as a term, you know, he was trying to do his own thing, be his own individual, separate himself from the, is it pronounced Coppola? Mm -hmm. The Coppola name, you know? So... Even with watching now and being like, oh, this is just goofy Nick Cage, you still have to appreciate what he was trying to do at the time to differentiate himself from everything else that was going on in Hollywood. And how can you not respect that? Yeah. You know? So, Laura, you're saying you thought it was unintentional. Whatever caginess we're seeing in those early roles is unintentional because he's just doing what he thought the role required? Um, yes, except for Vampire Kiss. Okay. Like, that one was his first, like, real... I'm going to intentionally be this way because screw you guys. Okay. But I feel like he had mm-hmm. enough other films under his belt that he could take that risk. Sure. If it didn't go well, he could just go back to the realism that he was doing and be fine. Mm-hmm. He's experimenting um, a little bit, maybe. You no, know, because yeah. I mean that it. He, if you go back to his earlier movies, that is one of the more like divisive ones. Like people. People make fun of him for that. There's memes for that. Like, and part of his popularity now, I swear, is the memes. I mean, how many people really know who he is otherwise? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I get what you're saying, and uh, I think it's probably, to answer that, I think that's definitely a generational thing. Um, exactly. That's, sure. that's kind of my point. Yeah. Like, my kids have no idea who we're talking about. Sure, right. But, like, our generation, and maybe even our parents' generation as well, are probably... We're probably more familiar with him than our parents' generation is, but our parents' generation probably be more like, oh, yeah, I, I know that guy. I've seen him in Face Peggy, Off. Face Off or Peggy, <laughs> Peggy Sue Got Married, you know, or Maybe. whatever. 
maybe your parents. <laughs> my mom had such a crush on Nick Cage. That's oh, why yeah. I've seen City of Angels so many times. Oh, no. And, oh, God, Con Air. Oh, there's, there's, there's so much trauma related to that. Not only was it my mom's crush, but it was my trainer's crush at KFC for my very first time. <laughs> she, had, she had Con Air on loop. In the break room, you could not watch anything else. That's you could not object the tape. I don't know if I would actually be objected to that. Personally, yeah. I love Con Air. That's definitely like a quintessential cage flick. Really but on repeat, every day for mm-hmm. shifts, that would, I think... Anything would get. I had yeah. excellent yeah. timing because I would always come in <laughs> at one of two scenes. Either the scene where the wind is blowing through his weird-ass mullet hair. Oh, when he's coming off the plane. Yeah. Or... <laughs> Put the bunny back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. God, I love that movie. I gotta say, when we rewatched that, when me and Anastasia watched that, I I think, I don't know if I put this in the chat or if I just messaged you, but I said somewhere that watching it was like a breath of fresh air. It really was. <laughs> was that during the scene of the hair blowing? The hair, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't remember what I at what point I typed. I put that out there, but sure, we'll we'll say it was there because oh, it's just it's that it, it, it's it's quintessential action cage that I love, you know. And that came out during that period, which mm-hmm. is what you know where you know the holy the, trinity of the, cage, the rock based off, and all that, kind yeah. Of, and yeah. it was also after kind of. You know the the muscly action stars had gone away, like Stallone and Schwarzenegger. They weren't, you know. I guess they were around. They were more mid career, and you know the idea of a normal guy being an action hero oh, was sure. a was a thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, I so. like that. And I just have to point Air. out that Nick Cage, okay, in Con Air, like he's not a sexy guy by any means. No, no. no. my mom would but it differently. He <laughs> was he was fucking ripped to tits in that movie and then he's got like the tight jeans and the wife beaters yeah yeah and but he's got like the tight jeans where it's like his legs look six feet long and like they were their own character so how do you move in there i don't know but so while i don't subscribe to it i i see kind of where at least in that time period not the big bulky action star Mm -hmm. but more of a everyday ish but still pretty cut (laughs) kind of guy <laughs> i don't know if necessarily nick cage could have carried that movie alone i i see con air as this kind of an ensemble cast movie where you got Very absolutely Cusack yeah, absolutely. and malkovich oh god and, malkovich. Um, Shemmy. Yep. and uh, danny trejo's in dave it chappelle. dave chappelle in yeah, it that's right. crazy mm-hmm. i did not watch that movie because of nick cage I watched it because I was like, oh, I love John Malkovich. Oh, my God, Dave Chappelle. Everyone else is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) And then Steve Buscemi's character just creeped the hell out of me. Yeah. In a way that was really entertaining for me. Right. I was like, why do I like this? (laughs) And they take him out of, like, the truck or or the um, jail, like, Hannibal Lecter style. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's real creepy. Yeah. Well, Laura and I have a soft spot for very interesting, charismatic creepy psychopaths and sociopaths. Mm. So yeah. I think he must have touched that character kind of hit some of those marks there too. Well and Malkovich I think so, too. Oh yeah. Like tea party with the, you know, it was so unsettling. But it was so good. So well done. <laughs> he didn't do anything though. He just had his tea party and left. I know, <laughs> but like it was so unsettling. It's just yeah. So it's a good movie. It really is and you know like I just couldn't bear hearing it on repeat. It's like working in retail and hearing Christmas music for months mm-hmm. on end over the music, you know, intercom. It's just like, ah, uh, 
I've had enough now. <laughs> Please stop. Yeah. Um, out of some of these earlier roles, any ones you guys want to kind of talk more about? I know that one of them listed, I had never heard of, the Red Rock West. And that is a solid little movie. That is a good movie. I, I thought it had some kind of fun twists, and it, he's not like super cagey, but he's no, just, he's right. got it kind of sprinkled in there. And it just kind of reminds me, you know, when we're talking about Conair, these situations where he just gets caught up in the shit around him. Yeah. <laughs> that one was just a good story. Like, it was. Um, it didn't need big twists. It certainly didn't have a big budget, but it had some good people in it, like um, Dennis, Dennis Hopper, Hopper is amazing movie. in that movie. So but yeah, it was, it was just a good one, and and I think that's really a little bit before Cage had hit it big, you know, with leaving Las Vegas. So maybe mm-hmm. that was kind of a last chance for him to do that before he exploded into Hollywood. But mm-hmm. yeah. it's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, and I never even heard of it until you recommended it to me. And yeah. Then, uh, a little under the radar. Yeah, very I would under say the radar. very much so. And um, I went into it with no expectations whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I came out of it knowing that at some point I'm going to watch that movie again just because I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I love Dennis Hopper as an actor, just period. So anything, almost anything he's in is almost is like pure gold to me. But the story is just like kind of what you said. Here's this guy who just finds himself in this unique and unfortunate situation where someone thinks he's someone that he's not. And then he pretends to try to be this person and it just all completely fucking backfires. <laughs> I think it's a little too like Is that the wrapped movie up. description? Like on streaming things where they have a paragraph yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> someone right. pretends to be someone he's not and then <laughs> well, dude I mean, being another guy, dude here's this guy in, Honestly, in the end trailers. he's pretty innocent in the beginning of it you know he's just trying to find work he's and like, that's all yeah. it is. he wants a job he's kind of down on his luck at that yeah. point like, yeah. and he's an injured. honest person because he tells the prospective boss about his bum me mm-hmm. right yeah. away and so that's why he doesn't get the job right so right. he's a good guy Uh, (laughs) calm down laura that's another episode (laughs) (laughs) but then he ends up like being uh, what is he He goes to that gas station to fill fill up or something like that and he's told uh if he wants to find work he'd be asked to go he could go to this bar in red rock west and the bar owner just so happens to be the guy who wants to have his wife killed as well as the town sheriff right Yeah. yeah 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 Um, so a couple of little like twists because there, you know, you don't know right away that this bar owner is also the sheriff. Mm-hmm. You find out like a scene or two later, so it's not well, nothing's he, withheld or anything like that. Well, but when he goes into the bar, the, sh- the sheriff thinks that he is someone else because he notices the mm-hmm. Texas license plate on the car, and that's where Dennis Hopper's character was going to come in because Dennis Hopper's character was actually the hired hitman mm-hmm. who just so happened to also be from Texas. You know, so the sheriff's obviously thinking, "Oh, this is my guy." Um, and Cage just rolls with it. He's he just like because he, he thinks money, but... he thinks it's a job at the bar. He thinks he's just signing up to be a bartender, and then just kind of keeps going with it. And then yeah, it's it's a good movie. Everyone, I think everyone should check it out. It was kind of hard to find because mm-hmm. it wasn't available streaming. Well, and I get really picky about what I will and won't pay for right. streaming for rentals and stuff because I'm like I pay so much money to have all these streaming services. God damn it, I'm not paying to rent a movie if I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. it's only on DVD. It's never gotten like a high def release, and it certainly looks looks it. If you watch yeah. it, it looks a little older, yeah. but yeah, but it looks good. The know. quality wasn't too bad, because I did have to check it out through the library. I was like, oh shit. So, Laura, I would recommend, I think you would like that. And we agree to spoilers for the ones that we haven't seen. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I haven't seen it. And I, the most amusing thing is listening to you all say the name and try to say it without putting a W where the R's are. Right? <laughs> right, wow, wow. But Say that five times fast. My, so that's entertaining already. My favorite part comes at the very end when um, Laura Flynn Boyle, yep, she you know, turns on Cage and she wants to shoot him or whatever. Mm. And he's just like, nope, and dumps the money off the train. And then he throws her off of it. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, eh, screw it. <laughs> oh, that was the best. I was like, there it is. There, there's my Nick. There's my <laughs> Nicholas Cage. And he's like, adios, Red, Wo- Red Rock West. <laughs> and you know, it's funny. God, it's it, hard. It, it's funny because you take, you, you look at roles like that, that he's done, you know, and you know that there is a bit, he, and it was, he was very serious in that film. I mean, yeah, it had kind of, I don't want to say goofball moments, but it had its kind of laugh out loud. Sure, yeah, yeah. He couldn't help it. Like, like, with the, like when he's uh, racing the car down and he just barely misses the train, you know, one of yeah. the most classic Hollywood. Uh, yep. uh, yeah. Um, but he, he portrays a very likable and I think even relatable character mm-hmm. in that movie because how many people out there are so desperate for money, they'll do whatever they can to get it, even if they don't really know what the job is. They just need the money. And I feel like that's relatable in some ways. And yeah. Nick Cage can pull that off. I've accidentally taken hit jobs because I really <laughs> needed the money. No. Hey. <laughs> don't you think that's kind of pathetic, though, considering the money troubles he ends up having and then he starts taking any job just to pay his own bills? Foreshadowing oh, <laughs> Adam had mentioned leaving Las Vegas, so why don't we jump into that one? The one he wins the Oscar for. What were your thoughts on this movie, the role? Was it worthy of the of the award? Could anyone else have played that character? I felt, and well, first of all, I only watched it um, for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how this one fell through the cracks for me since he won an Oscar for it. It's one of his, you know, most well-known roles. I, I just feel like Hollywood doesn't make movies like this anymore. It's a really risky film. Um, I think they kind of stopped towards the end of the 90s or in the early 2000s. I thought it was fantastic. It wasn't the easiest film to watch because it, I think I told Eric, it was kind of like watching a car crash in slow motion, like the entire movie. It's kind of watched about watching these two characters' lives you know, intersect, but also kind of explode and fall apart. I thought Elizabeth Shue was just as good as Nicolas Cage in that movie. It must have been a really hard role for her, maybe. I would only assume. Uh, I mean, I loved it. Mm-hmm. What did you think about it? So I, this is kind of one of those movies I avoided for a while because I always saw Nick Cage as, a cage, as you know, his cagey ways. Sure. And I'm like, well, this is the one he won the award for? Eh, boring. <laughs> <laughs> Mainstream. Yeah. And so I finally watched it for the pod. And yeah, it's it's not an easy watch, but it's, I think, it's kind of up there with like um, Requiem for a Dream or like The Wall, like really great mm. movies, but once is enough. Right. I agree that we don't really get a lot of movies like this anymore that are that kind of dark and deep and hit these kind of like nerves for lack of a better word but yeah it was and then towards the end after the assault on elizabeth shoe's character i was just like fuck (laughs) i was like that was the worst that was the hardest part and then i i still kind of have issues reconciling like what was the reason what was the purpose of that but overall i get it you know after i sat 
kind of thought about everything for a while. I thought Nick does an amazing job. I don't know if anyone else could have pulled it off because because of his caginess. Right. He just kind of throws it in throughout and it because of his character as this alcoholic, suicidal uh alcoholic, it really seemed to work. Yeah. So I kind of get why he got the award for for that role. But yeah, that was that was a tough fucking watch. Laura, would you what was your take on it? Definitely a tough watch. But I also appreciate the subject matter because, you know, it is an aspect of, of life that we don't ever shed proper light on anyway. Um, I had a little trouble with the assault scene as well, but, you know, if we're taking it in the scope of just the random awfulness that life can be and has been for these characters, it was totally in line with what was going on, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she was in a mindset to not be safe at that moment and put herself in that situation as well. Yeah. Like, if she wasn't in that headspace at that point in time, would that have happened? Less likely. Yeah. I think that her performance was better than his. Mm -hmm. I know that they were both nominated, but Nick Cage was the only one that won, and I didn't understand that. She was was nominated, yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense mm -mm. to me, though. She should have. Hers was way better than his. Like, if he didn't have that good of a portrayal as the opposing lead, his his performance would not carry the weight that it does. And that's why I don't agree with him winning the Oscar. Because I feel like he's the supporting character in that movie, but when people talk about it now, or in talking about Cage's career, it, it they talk about it as a Nick Cage movie with Elizabeth Shue. I think it's the other way around. Um, yeah, I think that's a solid take. Yeah. Uh, but he did sprinkle his caginess in, and it was <clears throat> nice to see that somewhat restrained. But again, this is like typical Oscar fodder. Was he doing this just to get the award like so many other generally thought of as great actors? Like how many times has, has Leonardo DiCaprio done a movie purely for the hopes of this is what Oscar voters are going to want? Mm-hmm. And you know, there are always those method acting type stories where, you know, someone's getting really deep into their their own psyche or, or the psyche of the characters around them mm-hmm. and, and doing despicable things that make you gasp or something like that. Like, I don't know what the magic formula is for the Oscar voters, but every Oscar winning movie has that kind of feel yeah. to it. And this was one of those. So I wonder, you know, if the drive to win an Oscar kind of takes away from what those stories could be, but also in terms of that that kind of genre having more mainstream success now, because the only time you ever see those movies come out is when somebody wants to win an award. Yeah, and I I totally agree with what you said. Um, It looks like in the 1996 Oscar Awards, the competition for Best Actress was very steep for Elizabeth Shue. Uh, it looks like Susan Sarandon won for Dead Man Walking, also oh, a really good okay. movie. But, <laughs> but she was up against Sharon Stone for Casino. 
Uh, oh. Meryl Streep for The Bridges of Madison County and Emma Thompson for Sense and Sensibility. That's not oh, fair. So, so I think about Elizabeth Shue. I still think she should have won. Think about how strong of a year that yeah, was that's for a female actresses. You know, those are all so, yeah. very well well accomplished movies. Yeah, and I don't mean to say that she should have won over them or anything. I haven't seen all of those movies, so I can't comment on like whose performance was best or anything. But I'm just saying, if you didn't have her performance in Leaving Las Vegas, would Nick Cage's have mattered? I don't think mm-hmm. so. And and I feel like um there's more nuance to her character. There's mm-hmm. many different sides to her character and, and progression to her character arc in that movie than Nicolas Cage, which is basically just I'm killing myself. A bomb yeah. exploding right. the yeah. whole movie. Like, <laughs> yep. He's right. pretty steady the whole movie, his arc. And and she's not. She she changes a bit, I think, yeah. throughout that movie. Well it also feels like you know, about halfway through or you know, after they have their fight or whatever you want to call it. The movie shifts, seems to shift focus away from Nick because mm-hmm. he leaves, he, she kicks him out, mm-hmm. and we don't follow him. We don't know what happens to him, and we follow Elizabeth Shue's character into the assault and everything and afterwards. So while the movie kind of opens with him and starts with him, I thought it was very interesting as saying, okay, this is, this is who he is, this is what he's going to do, but now here's Elizabeth Shue, and we slowly kind of shift the focus more into her and how him coming into her life has impacted her for the good, good or bad, and changed her for mm. good or bad. So it's it's very. I mean, it's a it's a good movie. I don't know that I'll watch it again anytime I soon. I don't know either. I, I can't. I I really like the fact that there's a, a romance component. Uh, it it is definitely a love story, but I think it's an unusual love story in that these two characters. Um, love each other exactly for who they are. There's no mm-hmm. strings attached. They just accept one another. And I don't know. That was kind of cool to see in the movie. The acceptance, yeah. 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 And especially when, because he even tells her, like, you can't ever tell me to not drink. Right. And she was just like, fine. fine. Here's a class. Yeah. <laughs> the acceptance part I get, but this is not a love story. This is a codependent story. This is This is two people who have no idea what love or a healthy relationship really is. Sexually, romantically, friendship-wise, you take your pick. They don't know. Like, this is classic codependency and mistaking it for love. Mm, I guess I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, you are absolutely right, but I think, yeah, we kind of get a little caught up in that moment of the acceptance of these two two characters of each other. Where we're just like, oh, they finally found, because finally found someone that isn't going to tell them what to do, and Mm -hmm. they're they're just going to go and be themselves so even as a viewer that can sometimes the codependency can sometimes get a little muddled and lost within well that's kind of the thing with codependency it is in essence accepting things about the person or persons you're codependent with because you need them it's not real love and i'm not even sure you could say this is real acceptance on each other's part because of that codependency and they both have that problem but elizabeth shoe's character towards the end kind of demonstrated a little bit of self-acceptance which was way healthier so you know i feel like she was on her way out of a very bad place when that movie ended like definitely still a long road to go for that character like if her life were to continue but she she was not accepting of herself throughout the entire movie and i think that was like the source of her issues she's so ready to accept someone else just to have some intimacy that was 
you know, more emotional than physical. Mm-hmm. And um, she was willing to put up with a shit ton of bad, unhealthy stuff to have that. So it's it's not a love story to me. It, it's it's more a, of recognizing the difference between true acceptance and codependency and acceptance through convenience theories. I know that I said that I was going to kind of sit this one movie out because uh, this was a very personally hard movie for me to watch. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwell on this too much. Okay. Mm-hmm. But first off, just to address kind of the initial question you asked, first off, I don't think anybody could have pulled off that role better than Nick Cage. I don't think anybody could have pulled off Elizabeth Shue's better role better than her. The casting in this movie, I think, was absolutely perfect. You could not have put together a better ensemble of characters. And honestly, we're really just looking at the two characters for the most part. But I think the portrayal of the downfall of the life of an alcoholic, the way that they portrayed that is really true to life. Um, Without going into too much sappiness, I have witnessed this firsthand, which is why it is very... A very hard movie for me to watch. Um, I have seen what someone in that position is like all the way until the end of their life. Also in her shoes as well. Mm-hmm. I have seen this personally too. So it was kind of a double whammy for me when I watched this movie because I have firsthand experience with people who are in both of those positions. Maybe not together, mm-hmm. but you know. Watching it for the pod, was that the first time you had watched this one? It is. Okay, yeah, wow. Yeah, first time I'd ever watched that movie. Wow, this is all fresh for us. Yeah, right no now. that's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not watch the one he won the yeah. award for. Let's watch jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> I watched them both. <laughs> but you know, um, in the end, I really think it was a very powerful movie. Oh, and, absolutely. You know, I mean, like you said, your comparison with Requiem for a Dream, and it's, you know... It's abusive drugs with hero, you know, with heroin. You know, alcohol is just as strong of a drug. Mm-hmm. You know, it absolutely is. And um, this is kind of my personal experience. This is why I'm not a huge drinker. I enjoy a drink every now and then, but I don't go out of my way for it. Sure. But would I watch the movie again? No, I don't think I'll ever watch the movie again. But can I appreciate that movie for what it was and understand why Nick Cage won the award? I absolutely can. And I 100% agree with you about Elizabeth Shue uh, kind of being shunned on that because she was phenomenal in that role. But, like I just said, that was some hella competition for Best Leading Actress that yeah. year. But mm-hmm. still, nonetheless... With you talking about, is this a role that he just took up just so he could really win the so he could win the Oscar? Yeah, we see a lot of that. And your comparison with Leonardo DiCaprio and all the roles he had taken up over the years, till he finally won the Oscar, does that mean he finally felt complete? I don't know. <laughs> but, is that how it works as an actor? I don't. I don't know. But well deserved, in my opinion. I. I yeah, that's all. That's all I want to say about it. I read up a little bit on on kind of the making of the film, and there were a, a couple interesting things. I thought um, it said Nicolas Cage did do some research to prepare for the role, mm-hmm. um, and then the director actually chose to film it in sixteen millimeter as opposed to thirty five millimeter, which gave it kind of that like grainy, okay. washed out a little raw look. I guess sure. that was intentional, um, and and uh, Cage said he preferred that because I guess with sixteen millimeter. It's kind of like this little itty bitty camera on your face compared to this giant, you know, 35 mil rig. And he said that made him feel more comfortable in kind of taking this role on. And 
um, doing some of the things that he did as that character. He was like, I wasn't as intimidated uh, with this big camera in my face. I feel like I could just mm -hmm. throw myself right into it. And then the last thing they said in the article I was reading is that the director wasn't able to get a lot of permits for some of the places on the strip where they were filming. So uh, it's kind of got that indie feel where they're maybe trying to film a scene real quick and then move on before like the cops bust them. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay, sure. so, so I thought that That's was pretty really awesome. interesting. Yeah, I, could I that. think that all kind of worked for it, though, because, you know, it's not like they were really welcome wherever they went. Right. Yeah. yeah and if they were, they didn't but, stay that way. And that helped out a lot too with giving off like just a realistic vibe of that movie too. Yeah. You know? So maybe it not being such a high productive film is what just made it so raw and so I don't want to say entertaining, but it wasn't entertaining really, but just so believable. Yeah. You know what my favorite thing about that movie was? Is just the fact that it allowed you to feel empathy for someone who traditionally isn't empathized with. Yeah. I'm not talking about Nick Cage as an alcoholic. I'm talking about Elizabeth Shue as a sex worker. Mm -hmm. Sex workers yep. are They are never yeah. empathized with yeah. in a movie. And, you know, they're usually fodder in most movies, sure. you know. So this this was nice to see from that regard. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, that didn't translate to much acceptance or understanding in the real world but it was nice to see it on screen once yeah <laughs> once yeah. <laughs> all right so let's see wild at heart adam you want to take I this just, one i just wanted to touch on this one because it's it's probably in my like top three cage movies ever um i'm also a huge david lynch fan you know he's done like mulholland drive lost highway eraserhead um among others blue velvet and this is not only probably one of my favorite Nick Cage movies, it's probably also one of my favorite David Lynch movies. So I kind of have like this intersecting love for this movie. Um, and I think also it's, you know, a very cagey role for him, Sailor mm -hmm. Ripley. Um, I mean, I just love it. What do you guys think of this one? Oh, I fell in love with that movie, man. I think I can express to you enough how much I thought that movie was just so amazing. And um, Sailor was his name, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Um just the way he portrayed this particular character is like I it's that I love that kind of storytelling, mm -hmm. I guess, you know. And now every time I think of that movie, all I could think about is the snakeskin jacket and how well the line like it's a symbol of it's his a symbol of my individuality. And mm -hmm. personal freedom. And yeah. my personal freedom. <laughs> his and his real life jacket. Yeah, oh, he really? bought it. Yeah, that was he, his. Yeah, he didn't know yeah. That. yeah, he bought it before um, it filmed, and I guess Laura Dern has it now, supposedly. Maybe. Aww. So, that's yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I thought that was just such a fun, fun film to watch. Um, great story, great acting. Um, even the even Lord Laura Dern's crazy mother in that movie, like oh my she God. was, but she was she was crazy, but she was great, like. Like she she played a very necessary role in that film, but it's just well, I mean, it was made clear from that first scene when um you know she pays I think she pays that guy to like say to talk shit about mm -hmm. them essentially yeah, and then he just like beats that guy up so severely in that in the yeah. very first scene very, of the movie that's, how, so that's how the movie opened up when yeah. we, when I when I first started watching it with uh I was wondering if some if the movie had somehow skipped. Mm -hmm. because it just did not seem like a traditional opening scene. There's yeah. like no context for it right mm -hmm. at the beginning, right. but you find out that the mother's involved in, in, in all yeah. of that. But Yeah, but yeah, Wild at Heart definitely up there with some of my top I think too. Hmm. Yeah. You? 
I, I enjoyed it. I was uh, messaging you guys because we started a Nick Cage group chat, which, sorry to anyone else I've ever been in a group chat with. This is the best group <laughs> chat ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a perfectly cagey movie. A nice balance of, of Nick Cage. We get mm-hmm. some of that caginess, yeah. but we also see the talent that I think a lot of people forget forget that he has. I uh, <laughs> I got attacked because as much as I love Laura Dern, it was hard for me to get past because I was introduced to her through uh, Jurassic Park was the one that I always remember her from. So she's always Ellie. So to see her in more of this, more or less, Juliet Lewis, natural born killers, mm-hmm. light oh, kind well, of that's role. Like that. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. it really is. It was, that, I mean, that's that's why I had... A hard time with her in that role not that she half-assed it she gave it her all she did an amazing job but i'm like ellie what are you doing and go didn't jurassic park come out only like three years after that or yeah something like that not too much long. longer yeah i think this came out in 90 and jurassic park was like 93 that I, that feels about I right i don't have right. a date yeah but yeah so but yeah it was it was a good movie it was like i said balances that perfect caginess and campiness to it uh, Willem Dafoe is just a delight. Oh, oh, <laughs> Isn't he though? Right? Yeah, yeah, he's he's just kind of gross. He's <laughs> super gross. But oh, that scene that him and him and her had together in the hotel room Ooh, that was uncomfortable. Like oh, yeah. I cannot imagine any person being comfortable in that situation. Like it was, <laughs> it was like super creepy. But he also took advantage of a woman who was, for lack of better words, kind of damaged, I'm sorry to say, but, and he just wanted to prove that he could get her to say it. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say it, but we know what he was doing. And then he ended up succeeding and just being like, okay, yep, gotta yep. go. He just wanted to prove he could do it. But yep. at the same time, William Defoe is such a good actor that he made you really weirded out by this Oh, character. absolutely. I could, like, smell his bad breath. Yes. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> like, these gnarly teeth. <laughs> oh, we're watching something. Oh, side note on uh, Willem Dafoe when we were watching the Snyder Cut of Justice League one random long Saturday afternoon, <laughs> and he pops up in it, and I turned to my oldest, and I was like, you know, that guy, he was Green Goblin in, like, the his first Spider-Man movie. And he goes, oh, is that why his face is like that? He's got a point, though. Man, your son has no filter sometimes. He's fucking, yeah, he's a savage. (laughs) I I wonder, like, is it worth doing a deep dive into Willem Dafoe's career just to see, like, if he's always been that that creepy face character? Because it doesn't matter what movie he's in, what role he's in, he always has that I feel like that's going to take, like, five pods just if, to get through that if we do i refuse to rewatch antichrist so just throwing that I, out oh, i've never seen it, it don't no. do it oh i have to no I, 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 I told myself i'm gonna watch that movie so yeah i haven't seen that one either but i know i know it. lars von trier is a director and he's pretty out there i've only yeah. seen nymphomaniac that's the only okay. lars von trier movie i've ever seen having not watched wild at heart and hearing the casting here it's like creepy, creepy junior, and I'm just like, oh, everybody <laughs> off of each other really well, and it's like, hmm. Would you, creepy junior be Nick Cage? You guys, no, maybe not in this one. I don't think he's a creepo no. in this movie. He's just very so. This so unlike uh, *Leaving Las Vegas*, this is a true love story. Like, I think, I think *Wild at Heart* is just at its heart 
just a pure love story. It's just basically about two people who would absolutely do anything and defeat all odds just to be with each other. Well, you know, Wild at Heart had some some themes going on with the Wizard of Oz stuff and like the fairy godmother. Yes, that's right. All that going on. So, uh, and then Nicolas Cage as Sailor was doing his Elvis thing, he was he, there was that scene in the bar where he's like oh. singing and stuff. And then at the end, he's singing again, like dancing oh. on the bar. Yeah, that's right. Like that's the Elvis movie. Okay. Inspired, <laughs> yes, I think yes. his role is inspired by Elvis heavily. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like that just because it kind of came out of nowhere. But I I did like the Wizard of Oz theme too. Mm-hmm. But you know, I gotta say, even for the movie, for all the movies that I probably watched in the last maybe year. Not even just Nick Cage films, really. Sailor is probably one of the best new characters that I've been introduced to in probably in probably a year or so. I just absolutely loved mm. him. I loved him. I thought he was probably he was so well done, so well mm-hmm. written, so well acted. Yeah, it's a movie I'll definitely watch again. What about you, Laura? You think you'll ever sit down and check this one out, whether uh, you actually do or not? But I mean, I'm definitely <laughs> taking a break. From Nick Cage for a bit for obvious reasons. Um, I might check this one out just because it sounds so outlandish. Because I've seen a little bit of the the Elvis inspired acting mm-hmm. uh, because of that video I mentioned earlier. And uh, um, my first question is, but why? <laughs> and, and what's nice is Wild and Heart has a little bit of everything. I think a little bit for everybody. It does. It yeah. really does. I mean, it's a romance. It's a drama. It's a comedy. It's, well, it's not a horror per, per, per se, but I don't know. Her mom is pretty fucking scary in certain scenes in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. 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 Oh, she's proper nuts. Yeah, action, yeah. I mean, it, it's an overall just an balls-out everything film. I love it. Interesting way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> balls-out. <laughs> I, I gotta go back to something you said. You, you don't you don't find Nick Cage creepy in, in this I movie. I do not in that movie. Not in that movie. movie no, he he might he's totally cagey in it, but compared to Willem Dafoe, he's playing like the straight role. That's, pretty yeah. much. That's what I mean. Yeah. He's creepy totally. junior though. <laughs> like no one can touch Willem Dafoe for creepiness. Like that guy's got that on lock, but mm-hmm. Nick Cage tries, and he definitely got to me. I'm really excited. Because I mean, remember the first movie I remember seeing uh-huh. him in is Face Off. Right. He was a very creepy villain. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so, definitely. So I'm like, it's kind of, it's kind of like cemented in my mind. So like when I see movies where he isn't a creepy person, like National Treasure or or Gone into <laughs> Detective or Sorcerer's Apprentice, or I love that movie. I'm like, me too. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. He's like a regular person. <laughs> and then just in case, like maybe not a regular person. I will say one thing that did creep me out a little bit in Wild at Heart, and, and I don't know if this can be confirmed, but I thought at least in, in most of the movie there was this age difference between Laura Dern's character and Nicolas Cage's sailor. Mm. She seemed a bit young. Did she? Is that just my perspective? She did, but didn't they did they say that her character was kind of like young 20s? Okay. I okay. thought. 20 or something yeah. like that. Uh, leaving Las Vegas for a while, I was like, wait, how old is Elizabeth Shue's character? Right. No kidding. Because there was times, at, at one point, and she might have just been recounting a memory, like when she first met up with her pimp or whatever, mm-hmm. when she was like 16. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was the pimp. Yeah, so then I was like, but then there must have been some time that had passed or whatever by the time she maybe had met up with Nick's character. Because I was like, is, she's not still 16, is she? Right. But I think by that point she was 
at least 18 young 20s or something like that but there yeah there there, it seemed a little it will more during just i think maybe her her acting and her free freeness of the character also makes it seem kind of young and maybe a little naive-ish yeah how many credited roles did she have before that i really don't know i don't know her career that well she uh, had for Jurassic Park. Well, she had in I think about eighty mid eighties, eighty six or eighty seven. She had been in Blue Velvet, which is another big David Lynch film. Mm-hmm. So she had at least okay. been in that, but I don't know if she had been in a ton of films. Okay. At okay. that point, I know at the end of Wild at Heart, some time had passed. Yeah. Between like the first part of the movie and the ending, so and she definitely seemed like she grew up during that mm-hmm. time period. Right. Wild at Heart, it, I didn't think about um, comparing that to Natural Born Killers until you just said that, but. Kind of very similar, yeah. I mean, in some aspects. I, yeah, I, I was kind of getting that vibe. Because, again, you know, when you guys were like, well, who else could have played her for the timing, for the timeline and everything, and trying to think of what actresses would have fit, like, kind of that younger age and that wild. Like, Juliette Lewis was the only one that kept coming to mind, yeah, and it was sure. because of Natural Born mm-hmm. Killers. And then I was like, no, I want to watch Natural Born Killers. It's a good one. Oh, so, <laughs> so good. All right. Well, yeah, Wild at Heart. I had never watched it before. Until needed to watch it for the pod. And yeah, that's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I enjoyed it. David Lynch. Right on. Good job. I want to kind of talk about The Wicker Man real quick. Mm-hmm. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this one. But what happened here? So I was reading. <laughs> that's amazing. They're in his eyes. <laughs> I love how the first reaction he had in that scene was to yell, not the beast. Like, quit and leave his mouth open. It's like, yes, Nick, make it work. Make yes. it work. <laughs> so this was a remake, and the, re- the the original, I guess, was very well done. Fans loved it, yada, yada. Very much so. I love that movie. And yeah. But the but this remake, it, the dialogue is almost like verbatim. Is that correct? I had read that somewhere. Okay. It's pretty close. Mm-hmm. It, aside from a few things that have kind of were changed or shifted Some around. but changed. Okay. Yeah. But... So, what do you guys think happened with this one, and why Nick it Cage is happened. his sorry. third lowest rated movie? Jujitsu is oh. number one at two point nine, according to IMDb. I watched his worst movie and survived. Woo! A movie called Left Behind that was at three point one, and Wicker Man at a whopping three point seven. You know, I I don't know the perspective for everyone who watched it in order to give it this low rating, but. If, like me, they had seen the original and they were like, oh man, this is going to be like that, but with like better effects and all this cool stuff, and then it turned out to be what it was, I can see why it has that rating. So yeah. you think there was too much comparison to the original? That You know how you get an original movie and it's just so perfectly done that it's like untouchable? Mm-hmm. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, The Wicker Man from the 70, 73, I think. It's, yeah. it's just so beloved. I love that movie, and, you know, I obviously wasn't alive then, so, <laughs> like, uh, but I, that was the first Wicker Man that I saw, was that movie, and it is perfect mm-hmm. for what it is. Like, I'm not saying it's the best movie ever, I'm not saying it's a movie everyone will love, but it is a perfect movie for the story it is telling, and I still don't understand why they went to redo it, unless they were trying to make it visually more updated for today's audience. I wonder if maybe also it just saw, the movie came out at the wrong time. Like maybe the Wicker Man was meant should have been released 
10, maybe even 15 years later. Maybe they could have done something better with it had they just waited to tell that story again. And also maybe spend a little more time on the casting. Because I, I don't remember a lot of the Nicolas Cage version of the movie. I didn't watch it for this uh, for this pod. Um, I have seen it, but long ago. And I remember not liking it either. And I had seen the original. The original is, you know, it's really good. It's really well received. But I just don't feel like the casting was right in this movie. I feel like, I, I don't feel like the timing to put out a film like that was right. I don't know. I mean, I wish I, could, I wish I would have rewatched it just so I could have a more up to date perspective of it. But I did watch it fresh um, for this, and and I agree with Laura in saying that I don't feel like this needed to be made in the first place. I don't know if if the Wicker Man really needed a remake at all. No. And I don't know, Eric, if, if they had waited and maybe cast it differently, if it had, you know, would it have turned out better? Who knows? But um, just because I, I watched it so recently, I don't think it's all bad. And, you know, I wrote down some notes and I and I put down, it's shot well and it looks nice. It's not like a technically bad movie. It doesn't look cheap. And, and there's some good things in it. I thought um, maybe the one high point was Ellen Burstyn as Sister Summerhile, mm-hmm. and she kind of took that um, Christopher Lee role from the original. She's always really good, no mm-hmm. matter what she's in. Maybe she elevated the movie a little bit, but you know, it, just because the script was so similar to the old one, you think it would be better, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what happened. I don't know if I want to blame it all on Nicolas Cage. <laughs> no, you can't blame it all on Nicolas yeah. Cage because you can also blame it on the beast. On the bees. Yes. Wow, for a second I was like, wow, this is going to be like a solid testimony from, nope, nope. She, she, she <laughs> I <wasn't>. gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, Laura's going to say something nice about Nick. It kind of felt like in The New Worker Man with Cage, it felt like the director was like out to lunch or something the whole time. Kind of. Yeah. I was kind of, so I, I've never seen the original one. Um, I'll, I should probably add that to my ever-growing list. But there was, it was it was a roller coaster ride in that, okay, I can see, you know, this this kind of worked, but then it almost dipped immediately, like, no, but this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And and I felt that way about Nick's acting in the movie. There were times where I felt his whatever he was reacting to was appropriate. And then there was times where I'm like, why why is it bad? Like, why does he move his face like that? And he's holding like the stuffed bunny or whatever, and he's like, "Why is it burnt?" Like he's turning his lips inside out. <laughs> like, why are you talking that way? <laughs> Maybe I don't know which one came out first. Uh, let's see. Wicker Man came out in two thousand six. Okay, yeah. So Con Air flashback. That that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I, I'm gonna blame it on that because there's no good reason for a lot of what was done in that movie. His portrayal was awful. Like you said, there's supporting cast that kind of elevated in places, which was a tall ask. I mean, who would want to follow in the footsteps of Christopher Lee? You can't. Yeah. I think they did the best they could with Ellen Burstyn. Like, right. she's great. Right. Know. So, you know, I think she was given the most daunting task mm-hmm. of all, and she rose to the occasion, but everyone else around her was like, Oh, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in the original Wicker Man, the investigator, I can't remember the actor's name right now, he, he plays it very straight. You know, he's trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Whereas Cage kind of just does his own thing halfway through the movie. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shocking. 
let's hit the Holy Trinity of Cage. We talked a bit about Conair and we talked a little bit about him, uh, Conair, The Rock, and Face Off. I think Face Off, we can all agree, is probably, I'm going to assume, one of our top fives, all of us. Well, we all remember it so well. Yeah. I mean, did you really need to rewatch it? Well, I mean, yes, because it's... Me did it, not want to. Yeah, okay, okay. It's just yeah. a roller coaster ride of a movie. It's it's never not fun, to me at least. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I always think it's you know entertaining. What's cool about it is, I think it hasn't aged too badly. Mm-hmm. Like, I know technology's improved a ton since then and everything, but... I don't think it matters in this, and that, that was nice. I could I could watch that with my sixteen year old, and he'd probably think it was as cool as I did when mm-hmm. I was his age. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> this could be a bonding moment. I think we got to thank John Woo for that direction. It was just so tight, and the action sequences were so awesome. Maybe even better than some that you see these days in in mm-hmm. superhero films and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and I think that was his peak Hollywood moment. One of my favorite like fight scenes is in prison when he's trying to when Nick Cage is trying to prove that he is Caster Troy. He he goes through that emotion of like I'm sad and I can't do this. Oh, I better play it up and get crazy. (laughs) Like in the midst of that crazy fight, he's got to like pull himself together and be him. And I feel like I feel I feel like Nick Cage was trying to think of himself. Okay, how would John Travolta try to impersonate my face if he was in this position? You know. Yep. I I love that movie. That that's a movie that we sat growing up sat down so here, as a family. So here's the million dollar question then: Who played a better Caster Troy, Nick Cage or John Travolta? I think John Travolta did. It's really hard for me because I I love them both. I feel like Cage is the more natural villainous fit for the part. Yes, sure. so it, he makes it almost seem effortless that first part of the movie mm-hmm. where yeah. you know he's doing his thing, but. Because Travolta is so like tightly wound and like straight laced before they switch, mm-hmm. it he's just like extra super terrifying. Yeah, when, once yeah. he becomes Caster Troy, right? I, think I completely know? agree with you, Adam. Uh, because I think that's because Nick Cage set the foundation for what Caster Troy is supposed to be, mm-hmm. and John Travolta mm-hmm. has to match that. Yeah, right. Like if it was the other way around, I don't think it would have worked as well. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right, and and I like the way. I don't, I'm not sure who wrote the script, but at least the way John Woo directed it, once they do the switch, there's so many call-outs from, like, both sides of the film. Like, you've got, like, the, I could eat peaches for hours, I could eat a peach for hours. Wait a later, minute, you were supposed to bring a peach and I eat really, it for I hours really today. I really messed up. I really messed up, Jen. I should have been... You didn't bring cocaine. <laughs> no, I didn't bring anything I was supposed to. Um, but then, you know, later in the movie... Uh, John Travolta as Castro Troy, he's got he's got like the whole Papa's got peaches thing. So like, there's so many like call oh. weird call outs and yeah. stuff, and mm-hmm. it's just fun. I don't know. Yeah, and, you know that holy the holy the holy trinity of films that he had. Every single one of those movies aged extremely well. You, you know, you, The Rock. I mean, we just watched The Rock. Yeah. The other week together, and I hadn't seen. Was that my? I can't remember. That I hadn't seen it in a long time, or if that was my first time seeing it. I cannot remember for the life of me, but I was like blown away by the movie when I was watching. I was like, "This is so incredibly good!" And when, like I mentioned earlier, uh, when me and Anastasia were watching Con Air a few weeks ago, that was the, it was like a breath of fresh air to me. I mean, it was it was such a relieving movie to watch. <laughs> and I know Laura, all Laura yeah. could think about it when like I say no that is the air going right through his hair. <laughs> Appropriately, though. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm picturing somebody breathing and making <laughs> <laughs> Just going, <laughs> No, I'm not in Corona days. No. <laughs> no, just pick one of those crazy-ass prisoners to do it. It's totally on, on 
point, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> With these three movies, he's he's probably at the peak of his money earning power, at least in terms of like a bankable star. Mm-hmm. So I, I know Hollywood was loving him. Um, yeah. The fan sure where he was making tons of money, and yeah. they were just great movies. Um, Eric, I remember one thing we were talking about when we watched Face Off was the idea, and this we might be the first people to come up with this, but the Face Off universe. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Well, that was a great conversation we had. I, I just kept commenting, you know, when Face Off starts, it seems like um, Pastor Troy has like this history with Sean Archer, John Travolta's character that just like goes back. And when the movie mm-hmm. starts, it seems like Travolta's character is just like at the end of his rope and he's been chasing this guy forever. So what Eric and I were talking about was it seems like they've been playing this game of cat and mouse for years. Wouldn't yeah. it be interesting to like get a prequel or something like that mm. of what happened prior to the events yeah. of Face Off? Oh, yeah. Agreed. Like, I'd like to know what because that was a I mean, he, he killed he killed his son just because he fucking wanted to fuck just with mess his head with them, just yeah. to mess with him so you you don't do that unless you have a truly Batman made Joker. an enemy with someone yeah, yeah or like you a know? Sherlock Moriarty yeah um, that codependency <laughs> yes in a villainous way they are very codependent so <laughs> what brought that on between these two you know what happened like, yeah like, and that, I want to know the face off yeah. thing was supposed to be um, Archer's like last mission. Like he was telling his wife, like I'm hanging up the badge, mm-hmm. and like this is gonna be. And it. if you remember, I w- when we were talking about that, I started researching seeing if there was ever any comic books that were ever released because that was really big in the '90s, where the comic books were were being released side by side with movies, mm. and sometimes telling a prequel or things like that. And I was like, there's got to be something out there, and there's nothing. nothing. There's there's some fanfic out there, but okay. there's really not a lot to go mm. off of. So I want that. I want that either in a movie. I want that in uh, in in a comic. I want it in a book. I just I want to know more about. I can see it maybe as like a series. Really, what you want to see is the moment that led up to him breaking Archer. Yes. Yeah. Like, what did it take? Like, what what really happened? You Mm -hmm. know, because he's a broken man. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. But I gotta ask you something. Of the Holy Trinity, which one is your favorite? Connor. Face off for me. I'm gonna go with the Rock. Ooh, oh, I, and, and Rock nice. is very strong as well. The rock is great. It's fun. Well, from a, a, a very nerdy perspective here, it's a heist movie. <laughs> it's got James Bond. In it, it is. There's science in it, and there's the whole thing with Alcatraz and that being an unbreakable, outable thing. Like, <laughs> you know what I loved about that movie? This is such a minor, minor thing, but to me, as a collector. This really stood out when he got his Beatles album and how happy he was and how proud he was. Oh, yeah, that was right. Oh, my God. I was like, I could relate to that on so many levels as a a collector. Yeah, as a collector. (laughs) Records, too. I felt that, too. So I just just a good character. I thought that that was just a really great, like, little moment that stood out to me. But, yeah, I have to agree with you. The Rock is just such a standout movie and everything you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It's the first movie from a Nick Cage perspective where he was in it, that it and it was a heist movie. Mm-hmm. And I love heist movies. Yeah. So <laughs> I was, like, this was the first movie of these the Holy Trinity that I was pumped to watch. Like, I watched Face Off with my parents, like, what the hell are we doing? What is this movie? Sure. And they're like, stop asking questions and just watch it. Sure. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, right? Con Air, well, I already knew what I was getting into with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Rock was like, ooh. 
what do There's you want? so much going more on components to it. Yeah, well, you got Connery too, and that's he's legendary by I that know. point anyway. Mm-hmm. My brother and I watched all the James Bond movies like every year growing up. So I was like, James Bond, the best James Bond is in it. Yeah, because this, you know, this is before Daniel Craig and. This was when Pierce Brosnan was first getting started as James Bond. We were very much Sean mm-hmm. Connery fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so wasn't that Sean Connery one of his final roles too? It, it wasn't his last role, but was, I, wasn't it League of Extraordinary yeah. Gentlemen? Is that was his last one, but okay. and it wasn't even his last. There was something before that. There was that okay. one with um, Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh, and Tra- oh, Trap yes. Man. Yeah, I liked that one. So though. maybe it wasn't his last role, but maybe it was his last really good one. Yeah, you know? <laughs> League of Extraordinary. Gentleman was Sean Connery's like nail in the coffin role. He had a oh, choice between man. that and and I can't remember, but it was some other big franchise that he openly admitted to regretting choosing the wrong one. Mm. Oh, that's a shame. I always like Alex G. I, I, I don't know why. I don't I recall that one. I know I saw it maybe in theaters, but I don't think I've seen it since. I have it at home. If you want to buy, if you want to borrow it, I'll <laughs> okay. To you. Sure. Take you up on that. But yeah, holy trinity of those movies. I mean, I think they're 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 all fun to watch. They are you. I don't think those movies will ever go out of style. No. You know, and sometimes I think it'd just be fun just to watch them in the order that they were released. And of course, I don't even think you need to do that. It's just you just watch them back to back in any order you want, and they're just all they're just they're the fun continues from one film to the next. And yes. Again, I'm a big fan of that kind of storytelling as well. Heist films. I mean, heist films will never get old. They never will get old. No, because there's so many different ways you can arrange it to make it work. Like, even Rick and Morty did a parody heist episode, and <laughs> I, I loved it because it was totally making fun of the genre, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, I can't get enough of this. This is amazing. Yeah. I feel like The Rock had a, a bunch of other cool stuff in it, in addition to being the heist movie. Like, you had, mm-hmm. like, the VX gas balls, yeah, which were really so cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> geek about those when we were kids. It's just like, oh man, those are awesome. <laughs> How'd also, they make those? <laughs> I, yeah, I think we all wanted some. <laughs> but you also had Ed Harris playing kind of this tragic oh, character yeah. too. Oh, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. that that was a good role for him, I thought. Out of the Holy Trinity, for me, it's kind of hard because Face Off I've seen more frequently than, than the others. But there's just Something about Con Air, and again, just his character just kind of getting swept up in the shenanigans of these baddies, mm-hmm. and just doing what he's got to do to get home and get that money to his kids. So, and like we mentioned earlier, Con Air was such a great ensemble of, mm-hmm. uh, uh, of just actors. Just, I, I maybe not at the peak for all of them. I mean, I think a lot of them were really just getting their toes, their, their feet wet, especially like I couldn't believe how young Danny Trejo looked in that movie. Seriously, I mean, mm-hmm. it, that blew me away. Dave Chappelle, you know, he was barely a household name even at that point in his career. You know, John Malkovich was ever, was was a star in 1990. Was that six when that came out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he was just he, he he was on everybody's radar. But some Nick Cage work beside a lot of these up and comers and also these now at the time veterans um, really proved his I think worth as an actor. Not just not just then. I mean, it, that that just to go goes to say for all time. But I think even then, hit Hollywood saw what he was truly capable of and thought he was worthy to put aside all of these other great actors as well. 
Wasn't Ving Rhames in that too? Yeah, he was. Yeah, Ving Rhames yep. also. Yep. Out of uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. 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 Damn, like, what a cast. Seriously. Yeah. So, I'd have to agree with you on Con Air. Just, everything worked well for me in that movie. I think that one would be my pick out of the three. Um, I can respect that. I disagree, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Respectfully disagree. Yeah. That's why we're here. We can agree <laughs> to disagree on this. Um, Moving on, what about, like, Family man, leading man, cage versus badass, vengeful slash just kind of off the wall. So, so have you any? I, I don't think this movie ever got brought up in or during any of our conversations at all. But are any of you ever familiar with the movie The Family Man? Yes. That one. Okay. Um, Is that the one with Tia Leone, where he's married to uh, Tia Leone? You'd have to look it up. I don't know. I don't remember. I, all right, so I didn't rewatch this for the pod, but I'm familiar, <laughs> I'm just familiar with this movie. You're right, Eric Taylor. Oh, she is. Yeah, okay. I'm right. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so give credit where credit's due. Damn, damn it, you two listen to me. If I, if I remember correctly, in Family Man, Nicholas Cage played like I don't know, like a big shot Wall Street guy or just a big shot business dude, something like that. And he didn't have a family. He was kind of a kind of a uh, kind of a player, you know, kind of playing that kind of douchey. I got money role. Yes. And then overnight, he just wakes up one day, and suddenly his whole life is changing. Now he has a family. He's married. He has like two or three kids. He's, He's like married to Tia Leone, who was kind of like the one that got away. He had chosen, I think, his career over being with her. So this yeah. was like his miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, so where he, got he to could see, what see his life was yeah, wonderful like. life. Yeah, sorry, wrong Christmas Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, you're right. And then uh, by the end of it, he decides he wants that life instead of the life that he was living. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the first time I think I really recall seeing him in a role where he plays it like a family man, you know, a dad, more, more of a dad role. I kind of wish I would have rewatched it just so I could get that perspective uh, for this recording. Mm-hmm. You know what would have made me enjoy that movie more? If it didn't go with the predictable ending, and he's just like, fuck it, I still choose my career. I'd be like, whoa! <laughs> Twist! Because <laughs> the title sure as hell gives away the ending. I, I just gotta say. Only, no. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But Family Man, Nick Cave, now are we including like National Treasure in that as well? Because that's more of a family friendly film. He's not a family as man. He's a family in, man. In that okay. No, but in the first one, there is that kind of more or less forced romantic pairing with him and who's the one that's really selling it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> forced romantic pairings well and best. that's that's the way i always it just seems so fucking unnecessary so it's it always does, forced because there's no point there, there's no reason that in the movie yeah. it would have been just as great probably better of a story and a fun time mm-hmm. if it didn't have anything to do with that i'm so sick you're of talking that. about national treasure right yeah yeah it's just disney that's yeah. Disney being Disney Because right it there. was a heist movie. Exactly. I was thinking about, I, <laughs> you know, we won't say, we won't say, we won't say, what is this, friends? No. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, I love the whole premise of National Treasure as far as like, you know, hidden clues in the documents, like very Illuminati thing and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It's just like, you know, conspiracy theorists probably like, this is true. <laughs> but I was more like, wouldn't that be neat if they're real? Mm-hmm. Just being able to chase all these clues. Just, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Meanwhile, she means on You'd have to have, 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 have a lot of patience and a lot of travel money to be a able to do that. A lot of luck, too. <laughs> yeah. Just, they can go buy new clothes to have 
fun adventures in, like nice shit. I was I like, I want to be that rich. Yeah, I want to go to the adventure clothes store. What's the adventure clothes store? <laughs> I don't know, but like the scene later, he's like jumping into the river or something. I was like, you just bought that, man. <laughs> I don't need this. Single wear. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of comparing apples to oranges, really. Because, like, like we've been saying, Nick Cage can pull up almost any role you throw at him, no matter how how obscure well, it might be. Yes and no. Well, I guess that's a matter of perspective, though. I mean, like you said, if his character is not meshing with the story, I would I don't call that pulling it up. All right, fair enough, fair enough. But okay, you give it you give Nick Cage a good script, okay. But if you're if you're a director and you say, here's the character I want you to be. Be that character and how you would envision them. So, no, in your opinion, no matter how good the script might be, I guess this would be the case for anybody, really. If you can't pull off that character, you pretty much just ruin that script. Let, <laughs> let me word it better. If the character is written well and he's respectful of that, whether he's cagey or not, yeah, then we're good. Sure. But if the character is written well and he's cagey in spite of it, then we're not. Fair enough. And if it's just bad writing, then it's not entirely his fault. And his caginess sometimes. Thanks for that His caginess <laughs> sometimes, you know, makes that more bearable. It, than, yeah, he's like, I gotta do something with this, right? Yeah. Right. But when it's well written and he, I don't know, juxtaposes himself with everyone else, it's like, why did you do this? Mm-hmm. And here's my here's my assessment for it. Like, if I'm watching a Nick Cage movie where I feel like he's doing this. I'm going to try and, you know, find through my, I guess, movie-watching experience who else could have played this character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they were playing it instead, what would that look like? Oh, sure. And, you know, if it's better, then we know Nicolas Cage is the problem. <laughs> if it's not, then we know it's something else. So, you know, I agree with you. He is capable of pulling off any role that's thrown at him, but... How he chooses to go about it is, is the crux. Sure. Okay. Maybe to a degree what the director will allow him or not allow him to do. <laughs> yeah. who's, in, who's in charge here? I mean, how much gold do you yeah. think Nick Cage has as an actor when he's on set? I bet he's intimidating as fuck. I'm, it seems like he's got, he's allowed to do, to be cagey and to kind of, and he'll fight if he feels that whatever he's doing or saying or however he's portraying that character, if he feels that that is right for that character he'll he'll fight and kind of push back against like the director and stuff Mm -hmm. i had read that uh for adaptation the other movie he was nominated for he did not take any liberties and he followed the director's direction (laughs) (laughs) and how the director wanted that character of charlie hoffman and donald to be portrayed Mm -hmm. and i found that kind of interesting where Here's a situation where he's got a handler. He's being reined in, and he's being told, you can't go even a tiny bit cagey. This is my vision, and you need to adhere to that. And he does, and he gets nominated. And I think it's it's one of my favorite movies. I rewatched it the other day, and I was like, God, I forgot how fucking good this is, mm-hmm. how subtly funny it is, and just that difference between Charlie and, and his brother Donald, and then the way he portrays those two characters... Just even in the body language, yeah, the, the way so he carries good. himself, and yeah. and it was, it, yeah, that's all I got for that. It was very good. Yeah, 
And started rambling. I lost track of where I was going. To be fair, though, my gripes with National Treasure are with Disney. They are not with Nick Cage. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Disney's just trying too hard. (laughs) Um, But as far as Family Man Nick Cage goes, I don't know if you'd classify National Treasure as Family Man Nick Cage necessarily, but I feel like this is his weakest point. I don't like him as the family man. Hmm. I'm not sure I do either. Um, and I feel like uh, maybe National Treasure was an awkward time in his career. Uh, maybe he needed that movie more than he wanted that movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, that's uh, good it was like the early um, part of the 2000s. He was mostly done with being like the leading man action role. And he, was, uh, he had done Adaptation, which was huge. And maybe he was kind of just like, what, what am I doing right now? That's uh, a Disney script maybe i'll do it i'm not sure how it happened yeah that's just my idea i don't know a disney payday though maybe a disney mm-hmm. payday well it certainly was that um i don't know i mean for me personally i love the national treasure movies um i i get what you're saying mm-hmm. and maybe that was just a kind of a unique time in his career because not too long before that he was a leading act like sort of action star you mm-hmm. know hence the holy trinity but Seeing him under the under the under the glove of the mouse just kind of doesn't strike me as something Nick Cage would really want unless he needed it. Yeah. But I still feel like he put a lot into it. Even if these were movies that he didn't necessarily want to do per se, you know, maybe just you know, like I said, to get that wanted to get that mouse money. Um well, he's I still think he pulled them off well. Nicolas Cage can be a also a air quotes here, family-friendly uh, actor, and still give off, the I think, a li- give it maybe a little bit of cage in it, a little bit of that caginess, but obviously Mickey's not going to let him go and do whatever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. So Right, but I want to make a distinction here. Um, family-friendly, not necessarily family man. I-, I like the National Treasure movies. I just don't love them, mm-hmm. despite everything cool they have going about them because of that whole folk romance aspect. Yeah. It just takes away from it for me. But Family Man Nick Cage is like you know, Family Man the movie. That I just don't like. Yeah. You know, cool I guess that he tried it but it just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. What about romantic lead? Well, you know what I told you I don't like him as a family <laughs> You love him as a romantic lead. I hate him as a romantic lead. And I don't care if you are talking about young Cage. I don't care if you are talking about Rip Cage. I don't care if you are... Oh, by the way, Rip Cage. (laughs) I don't care if you're talking about Nick Cage at the height of his career. You know, doesn't matter how good of a story it is or what the premise is. I'm just sitting there in a permanent state of disgust. Yeah, I'm with you on that, and I don't really like him in that role either. Um, oh, this podcast, I just watched It Could Happen to You. I oh, love that sorry. movie! Oh, I I, oh. <laughs> you guys. And I'll be the one to say, I didn't see that. <laughs> and I hadn't, I hadn't seen it, and um, I felt like it was just so syrupy. Like, it was just so oh, soapy. And, it totally uh, is. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of this one. I've never Him heard of and, uh, yeah. and uh, well, he's a cop. He wins. He's at a diner. He doesn't have enough to tip 
Jane Fonda? Bridget. Bridget. Yeah. I always get those two confused. I, it doesn't matter. And so he doesn't have enough for a tip, but he's got a lottery ticket. And if he wins, he'll come back and split it with her. He wins. He comes back to split it with her. And they kind of start becoming friends and eventually a romance. But meanwhile, he's actually already in a relationship with Rosie Perez. And so she steals the movie for She's me. She's good in it. I yeah. love her. Because then they decide to, like, uh, Nick and Rosie's character, like, divorce or split up or whatever. And she shows up to court with her new boobs all, like, pushed up and, like, corseted. Just looking damn good, Rosie. So I always think of Rosie's boobs when I think of that movie, too. But it, it's total syrup saccharin. Just yeah. it, it yeah. ends how exactly you want it. You think it's going to. I mean, it's. It's melty cheese all the way. Well, that's that is one of the reasons that like the highlight of the movie. Um, two two reasons to watch well, it. Two, you're right. You're right. Definitely not a uni boob thing. But this is I want to. I just want to clarify here, and some of your listeners will already know that I am not immune to the whole romantic movie, rom com movie, whatever. I mean, I have gushed about me before you before. I I love that movie, and it is. It is sappy, but generally I am not a sappy person. But oh, Nick Cage as the object of someone's sappiness can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> All right, let's get this one out of the way so I can get my yelling done and over with. <laughs> City of Angels. Right, brings us right to it, doesn't it? Ugh. I was so proud of myself that I've made it all these years of never watching the movie, and then I'm like, oh, I've never done a Nick Cage episode for the podcast. What's wrong with me? And had to watch it so you're welcome <laughs> i did it i did a twitter poll and that's what won so yeah so i have mad. been deciding votes i did one of those like ebay sniping things <laughs> <laughs> i waited till the last second <laughs> you bitch <laughs> yeah i did not like i don't i don't fucking get that movie and aside from him in that leading man role i just didn't fucking get it I didn't either, and and I was bored to tears during it. Oh, so it, bored. It's over long. It's over two hours long, and I felt like um, why it's, it's not cagey yeah. at all. Um, if anything, it's probably his like flattest movie yes. in terms of his delivery. It's basically like two hours of him with a blank stare. On it his face. it literally it's so is a stare. Yeah, but whose fault is this? Not I. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say not his. <laughs> maybe it was the director, or maybe. Part director, part script. I don't know what happened there. Well, I don't from know. I understand. All right, so I've only seen City of Angels once, and I did not watch it for that for, for this podcast. You son of a bitch. I know. Sorry, <laughs> but I wasn't going to put myself through that. I understand. But, oh, see, see, yeah. Um, I, from what I understand, Meg Ryan was actually pretty good in the movie, though, wasn't she? I guess. I heard she was actually pretty well, decent to watch. Hold on. No, mm. this this is because you're comparing it against flat delivery. Well, what else do I have to Nick compare it to, Cage. you know? Like, compared to that, she should win a damn Oscar. Oh, <laughs> but he's just so beautiful. <laughs> Wait, is that a line from the movie? Uh, yes, yes, that's that video I sent you. I'd be laughing yeah. at it. Because, you know, we're not actually talking to Nick Cage. About <laughs> but, seriously, this movie was like peak romance lead for Nick Cage. And the soundtrack was great. I mean, mm. in terms of co- its commercial success. Sure, sure. So, you know, this was a money spinner, one way or another. And I just don't understand. I don't get this movie. And I, again, 
I don't care which romantic lead you're talking about. I don't see it. What is it about Nick Cage that makes people go, oh, that's so cute? Because <laughs> I don't see it. <laughs> it kind of feels like a Hollywood producer saw all the parts of this movie on a piece of paper and was like, yes, let's do this. This is what people want. Mm-hmm. And then the movie got made and it maybe didn't Well, it's a remake of a of a German movie. What was it? The Whispers, Whisper of Desire. No, I don't think that's it. That's that a line like from. A no, it's, 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 that, it's, it's that romance novel, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I was, someone on Twitter was like, you should check that out because, you know, it's, that's the better version of this. German so I, novel. I haven't watched it yet, but I want to now to see is it better? And then where did the Americanized version drop the ball? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just very curious. I'm, I get the idea why they thought this movie would be successful, whether it's a remake or not. It's the whole regular ass person can fall in love with some sort of supernatural being. I mean, we see that kind of stuff all the time, right? Casper? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, Lois Lane and Superman, or, or you know, um, yeah, but he's was he's like a real physical thing. And you're you're pitching this to a nation full of Christians. You can have a love affair with an angel. And then I thought of Doctor Who and I was like, mm, Cybermen. Weeping angels. <laughs> <laughs> oh Yeah, oh I my hate God. this movie. Maybe that's why Nick Cage was so flat faced and staring all the time. He's like, Don't think that was his inspiration. <laughs> Yeah, and then when they would show all the angels and that there are actually so many around, first of all, in like the dark trench coats, that was creepy. I get, I get maybe trying to move away from like the always in white, the celestial beings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm like, now cool. y'all just look like a bunch of creepy fucking weirdos. <laughs> and one's gonna flash you, right? And then no, I so fucking. I did I throw my notebook at this one? I might have thrown my <laughs> notebook during this one because I was just like, this is so bad. It's so mad. Um, no. I may be in the minority here also, but did any of you find Meg Ryan's death in that movie funny? Yes. Because I did. <laughs> I'm just Every like, single time, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong die? with you? I don't remember how she died. By not practicing basic bicycle safety. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm a she's, king of the world. She's, oh. she's oh. king of the world down a fucking hill. Away. They're out up in the mountains in a cabin, so the road's all wine. It's not like it's just like a straight city hill. Yeah. And then a truck pulls out in front of her, and then she crashes into it, and then, I don't know, Nick Cage, like his angel senses, even though he's not an angel anymore. Yeah, he wasn't at that point. Yeah, so right. he shows up, and I don't know. It's just so beautiful. And he goes on to continue to live and, and be a human, and he's looking at the pears, and I was like, you can eat peaches for hours. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not pears. Not pears. Might, that one might take him a while. God, I am so glad I did not go back and watch this movie. Let me tell you. I uh, feel like I would, that would have been just torture, I I'd feel like. I'd apologize so to I'm, my listeners that do enjoy this movie, but I am not sorry. This is a bad movie. I get we all have our guilty pleasures. We all like what we like, and that's fine. What like, did like it. Let's take a look. Well, Everyone's yeah. reaching. his lowest rated, right? That's, I fucking hope so. I really want to understand the perspective of someone who likes that movie. Like, I'm getting all of your perspectives on why you love Nick Cage movies so much, and Nick Cage generally, but... I feel like it might be timing as well. It seems like the, the some of the folks that have said that they liked it, they were it was more like they watched it when it first came out. So keeping in mind kind of our age, you know, our ages now compared to then, 
You know, this came out when I was in high school. Uh, IMDb gives it a 6.7. 6.7, yeah, that's so high. Respectable. Yeah. Uh, why? I'm so confused. I don't know. Your mom must have created a bunch of accounts and rated it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if she really does that kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's. it might be... So I remember when the movie came out, people loved it. A lot of the, a lot of females were just like, oh my god, I, the, the saccharine, all the sappy shit. I don't know if what the draw was because I was the 90, purposely was the stayed away. Was the time for like uh, for romantic movies? Like, were there a lot of romantic films coming out in the mid nineties? I sure. I don't know if there was really uh, any more than what we've seen now, so but it was a big time for Meg Ryan yeah. in those roles. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, she did. Uh, you've got mail. You've got that's mail. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So maybe Sleep, was she in Sleepless in Seattle? Was that her? Yeah, yeah that her, was her and two. Tom's. Yeah. Two movies. Yeah. So, so when Harry maybe... met Sally, that was a little bit earlier. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But the '90s were still a pretty big, pretty big time for for her. It's just oh like, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, I was never really a fan of hers, but I was also mm-hmm. a kid at the time, so you sure. know, mm-hmm. timing is an issue. But. Yeah. You know, we're talking about Nick Cage as a romantic lead, and that really got started with Moonstruck. And I've I've seen that movie. Have you seen mm-hmm. that movie? I didn't. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it for no. the pod, but but he was younger then, and everything too. You know, and like this was like, oh, oh, everyone's like, maybe he is a bit of all right. And I'm just like, <laughs> no. But you know, I love I loved watching that movie because Sharon's done a few movies, and they're actually enjoyable to watch mm-hmm. but you know he was definitely cagey in that movie and i don't know why people didn't see that that early on maybe it just fit the role maybe it just fit the role i like i said i haven't i didn't get it i haven't done a recent watch of it but okay so we've touched on the good and the bad movies the uh kind of vengeance fighter versus family man leading man Oh, real quick, Valley Girl, because I did get a real, <laughs> Lord gave me an eyebrow, raised eyebrow. So we know where Laura stands, but Valley Girl, what did you, did you guys get, get that in? That I did one. not get around to it. Well, so, I didn't either, and here's why. Movie poster. He's hot. She's cool. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> so he's, he's supposed to be like some 80s, like California, like L.A., uh, punker, but he's like wearing chinos, and it just was really <laughs> off-putting for the longest time. But it's it's a it's a very kind of uh that this one's like the Romeo and Juliet, you know, she's well off and preppy, and so all her preppy friends are like, oh my god, like why? Ew. Kind of a star-crossed lover thing. So it's mm. here's my here's kind of my theory. It's the eyes, the eyebrows, the droopy eyes. Where he gets that puppy dog kind of look about him that I think, especially when he was younger, could have been a big, big draw for leading man type roles. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but considering how far he could open those eyes and how it <laughs> I just can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it either. I prefer action, Nick. I prefer. The con airs and the and the face offs and yeah. and shit like that. So I don't understand the I romance lead. Prefer that, but I also really enjoy him, generally speaking, in supporting roles like Sorcerer's Apprentice, mm-hmm. where he was, you know, the sorcerer. Um, 
that was, an apprentice. That was, that was yeah. Plot <laughs> of the movie right there. Yeah. <laughs> but that was a really good role because, you know, he was, uh, like, the costuming and makeup and everything, like, the look was perfect. And, you know, he carried that off without being too over the top about it. And, like, didn't take away from the enjoyment of that movie, but added to it. Mm-hmm. And he did the same thing as the father figure, father of the girl in Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Big yeah. Daddy. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, you know, I tend to always forget that he was in Kick-Ass. It's a pretty small role, but it's it good. It is. Because you don't really get the caginess until he's set on fire. Which and is appropriate. Tied. Yes. Yeah. And it's and it, it is appropriate and it's a it's a beautiful cagey moment. And I can't believe that I'm going to say this. <gasps> but Jujitsu was a bad movie before he showed up in it. And honestly, <laughs> his character had the most relatable, emotionally uh charged performance out of all of them because the rest were just like robots. Was Jiu-Jitsu like a made-for-like Netflix movie or something like that? Cause I think it was direct-to-video. A lot of his... It was, it was VOD? Okay. Um, but you know, Jiu-Jitsu isn't a bad movie because of him. And he's in a supporting role. And supporting role, uh, it was it was entertaining. And, you know, you get to find out he's the father of the main character, which is fucking hilarious because if you see the main character, there's like no resemblance. <laughs> there's, there's no fucking way. Beyond that, the fact that they're both white. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jake from like, State Farm. Oh, man. What? Uh, <laughs> like, there's so much about that movie. Just makes me go, what? But you know what? It wasn't Nick Cage's fault. It was so terrible. Just bad from the get-go. Well, one of the first things you had sent was, why is there a sword and this is a grappling art? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? They're all about these weapons and like, oh, I can't, I'm really bad with names and I'm sorry, but they had this one um, martial arts focused actor who's actually a pretty big name and he fights with those like lead pipe looking weapons and he was amazing in all of his, his fight scenes, but I'm like, you all are supposed to be experts in jujitsu. You do not need these weapons. Why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but and then they'd throw in they'd throw in some like really well executed arm bars. I'd be like, All right, that was proper, nice, <laughs> yes, you. And then they <laughs> they pick up the swords again. I said, Oh. <laughs> no, not jujitsu. <laughs> Yay, jujitsu! Oh no! So they basically, I don't know. I don't know. They basically learned movie. how to do like two different arm bars, and they're like, "Yes, jujitsu." <laughs> <laughs> we did jujitsu. <laughs> just, just to put some context into that, for jujitsu, um, you have different colored belts, and each belt you have to earn four stripes on before you can move to the next color. For my two stripe test, I had to learn, memorize, and execute. 120 different moves, not two arm bars. Wow. So I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> There's plenty of material you could have used here. <laughs> Where was your jujitsu alien, goddammit? I know. I want a jujitsu alien to give me jujitsu. Apparently, that'll also make me an expert with swords and other weapons. Yeah, but that's a commercial. I was just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that was a thing, I would totally do it. Absolutely. Um, what about our more cagier cage roles? So we've got, for me, Willy's Wonderland. I fucking
fucking love that movie. I'm Did not either surprised. of you watch? Any of y'all watch that? Oh, I watched yeah. it, and I was so so happy when I watched that movie. Yes. It was it. I went into that again. Again, here's another movie I went to with absolutely little to no expectations whatsoever. But I knew what the movie was. I knew kind of what the premise of the movie was about because I knew that it was kind of inspired by uh, uh, what is it called Friday Nights at Freddy's. Five Nights at Five Freddy's. Nights at Freddy's. I think that's Friday. Um, Five Nights at Freddy. I think was the inspiration for the movie. And the way that they portrayed that on film was just phenomenal. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever played that game, nope. Five Nights at Freddy's. First, it's a pretty difficult fucking game. You play as a security guard who just took up the uh, the, the third shift position at a like Chuck E. Cheese style place called Freddy's. Mm-hmm. Which, why a place like that needs a third shift security guard, I don't fucking know. <laughs> well, clearly because the animatronics come to life. Well, and that's the thing. The whole premise of the game is you have to find figure out, by controlling a multiple camera system, how to survive the night. Mm-hmm. And you have to set traps for the uh, animatronics that have come to life so they don't find you by six in the morning and murder you. You know this is happening. Why would you take this job in the first place? I don't know. But anyways, that's kind of what the game's like. And they brought that to life with Willy's Wonderland. And they did it magnificently. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I loved it. <laughs> I Yeah. I didn't have the background of the the game to forewarn me and I also neglected to read like the genre information <laughs> of what I was getting into. What did you think it was? Like, I don't know, something like Willy Wonka type stuff. Um uh, based on the name. You know, I thought that then, I, I and thought then, that Nick's Cage character was Willy at that uh, <laughs> at first. I thought I thought he was Willy. That's kinda of what I thought too going yeah. into it. Yeah. yeah. Well then the bloodbath started, I'm like, shit. I can't watch this with the kids. <laughs> so I stopped and started it a few times, and I never got to finish it because I'm like, I need to be in the right mindset for this, and the kids need to be away from here. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I don't know if he's been in another movie where he's got no lines. I don't like think that. so. Uh, but I loved it. You know, he didn't need any really. I don't think his character had a name that I can remember. Yeah, I don't think they. Have... He's just referred. He's listed as the janitor. Okay. Mm-hmm. And because, yeah, we don't get anything about him. He comes pulling up in this fast, sporty car. He kind of looks like he might be like a hitman mm-hmm. or yeah. does something Got kind of nefarious. Yeah. And, but, you know, he needs a job. Car broke down, yada, yada. And they're like, yeah, just come be a janitor here for one night. And, yeah, he doesn't speak. And I love that he is perfectly cagey with no dialogue. Mm-hmm. The way he portrays the character, and the the pinball pinball dance scenes, which he improvised, they were amazing. He's such a good dancer. Yeah, that was that was really good. <laughs> and then one of my absolute favorite things throughout the whole fucking movie was when the guy who owns Willie tells him, "Y'all make sure you take your breaks," mm-hmm. and he does. He does not skip a single fucking break. And as soon as his little watch goes off, it doesn't matter if he's standing there, like, eyeballing, doing a staring staring contest with one of the animatronics, and the one girl is standing next to him about to get her ass. <laughs> he fucking bullies. <laughs> it's like, time for break, time for another punch pop. Um, okay, that's funny. The And the, I love this one, too. Punch, the fictional energy drink he drinks, uh, has the text 
a fistful of caffeine for your kisser. <laughs> I want one. Uh, <laughs> kind of like uh, the goblin neck with the... Uh, and Mandy, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So Chatter I... Goblin. I, lo- I loved this movie so much. It was so much fun and mm. so utterly ridiculous. Like, the second you took one animatronic down, why didn't you just go around and kill them all? And then Because right. he needed big breaks. And then what a good yeah. fucking worker. He still cleans everything, and picks it all up. Spick and span. Spick and span. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what holy shit. Uh, you know, mop, mop, baking bucket. soda and vinegar, probably. Yeah. That's like the <laughs> big a little go-to. bit of Windex. Oh, okay. Windex goes a elbow long Elbow grease, way, you know, some elbow grease. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that juice, was maybe. that was a that was a fun ass movie. And when I heard about it, and I heard that it had kind of a FNAF feel mm-hmm. to it, because yeah. my our kids they don't play FNAF. They've watched plenty of like YouTube videos about it, so yeah. we know enough about it. You know, like, I, oh, this what, seems what's interesting. funny is, uh, before this movie, I'd actually never played Friday, uh, Friday's again. <laughs> Five, Five Nights at Friday's. I'd never played it. And then after I watched it and loved it, I downloaded all four games. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> and they're not easy games. Are they old, older games? No, no. They were, they were released really? probably in like 2019 or 2018, okay. something yeah, like okay. that. They were first mobile games, mm-hmm. and now they're on console. Um, but yeah, they are not easy pro- uh, puzzle solving games. But anyways, uh, yeah, the, the movie itself was just um, if I can quote my quote myself with, uh, about Con Air, another bit of fresh air. You know? <laughs> I just got the I just got the one eyebrow raise from Laura. Wow. Fresh air. It, it, <laughs> like in Con Air, that makes sense. And this one, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> this was a. This was what I expect when I hear that there's a new Cage movie, sure. is I expect something along these lines. I, I may not always get it, but, and that's fine. But this was, this is perfect. I It was such a fun fucking movie. I think I rated it like an eight on IMDb. I think it has like a five or a six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you people just don't understand my man. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> so then... With uh, that being said, we go from that type of cagey film to what I consider to be another great modern cagey film, which would be Color Out of Space. Um, Adam introduced me to this movie, and I think you remember when we were watching, I was just, I was fucking floored by this movie. It's so damn good. I love a good, like, alien, alien alien-ish type story, Mm -hmm. and this was it for me. Yeah. And Nick Cage... And you know what, him being, I, I don't think he's really so much even a central character in the movie either, because they focus uh, pretty heavily on almost each member of his family, and Tommy Chong as well. Yeah! <laughs> but I just love the way that Nick Cage just portrays this guy who's just been like completely possessed by this being. I don't know. And, and it was kind of slow. It was very gradual. It was. It was, you know, it's an H.P. Lovecraft-inspired mm-hmm. story, and I think... You know, I want to believe he was probably picked specifically for that role to show this kind of like slow metamorphosis that occurs. I think mm-hmm. he's perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I loved it too. Yeah, it's a definitely an awesome modern cagey film. Did you watch that one? No, I haven't seen that one. But what, you know, the way you're describing it, it kind of makes you think of Jeff Goldblum's performance as the fly. Oh, like that, wow! That slow change yeah sure sure yeah mm-hmm. i think that's probably spot on yeah 
I think you I think you could get behind this one. Okay. It's it's yeah, it's it's a good kind of off the wall like horror, yeah, science fiction. It just kind of drops you into this family. It gives no explanation, which I kind of love. Mm-hmm. You know, as to like it's the alien a, and the colors. This thing is happening because it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it was just such a good interesting watch. I definitely recommend it. I kind of want to read the short story that it's based yeah, off of. Have you? I have not, no? but I'd like to as well. But um, my what? my favorite sorry uh, line moment in Color Out of Space is as he's kind of descending into madness and everything, and there's that moment where the the daughter and the son are they're they're kind of like some something fucky's going on, and they go to talk to Nick Cage, and he's like, uh, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way he delivers that, I'm like, "All right, here we go," and yeah, it's. It's a good, it's a good movie. The coloring that they use is very spooky for just kind of a nice, like serene purple, yeah, <laughs> calming yeah. type color. It but seems like a Lovecraft thing, though. Mm-hmm. But you know what's what else was really cool about that movie? So last night, uh, Adam and I watched uh, Thing, and I have this thing for movies, older movies, and uh, having it using practical effects, mm-hmm. especially with horror movies. Mm-hmm. You know. You just get the slimy little puppet creatures with like six mouths, 20 eyes, and like they're all like gangly. I love that. I'm a sucker Mm -hmm. for that stuff. And Mandy, not heavily throughout the whole film, but you know, there's the scene in the barn with what what was it, goats that he. Uh, uh, Are you talking about the thing or? No, I'm talking about Mandy. Oh, and Mandy? Mandy or Color Out of Space? Oh, Color Out of Space. Oh, my goodness. Fucking great. They have similar color schemes. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They actually really do. I'm so sorry. Yes, Color Out of Space in the barn. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something bad happens to the goats. Well, yeah, something terrible happens to the goats, but they become like Mm -hmm. these really deformed goats. But it's not really so much about that. It's about the the way that they they built it and they made, they used. Like kind of old school practical effects and puppeteering to create these creatures, and I'm a sucker for that stuff. It's it's back when I feel like even for horror movies, that's when movies of our generations were kind of at its purest because they actually relied on the skills of building something as opposed to computer generating it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah um, I completely agree. And, I'm and I love practical. That. It's kind of a lost thing for movies these days, yeah. where they just dial in the CG because it's cheap and it's almost well, like amazing and surprising to hear that a movie went practical mm-hmm. over over special effects, which mm-hmm. it's I guess kind of sad. Can that though for horror as a genre because that tactileness, um, you know, communicating that through the screen that this thing is really slimy and fucking mm-hmm. gross. Yeah, I don't think you can do that as well with CG. No, no, I don't think so either, and that's why I love. Uh, color out of space the way that I did. I mean, it was a great story. It was a fun movie. Nick Cage was great. Um, I was a little weirded out by the relationship between his daughter and like the water guy. Um, I don't know what it because she seemed like she was only like fourteen or fifteen, maybe sixteen, but he definitely was in his late to mid to late twenties. So predatory relationship. I just I don't know. It, just, it was a little. I I didn't think her character was that young, fourteen or. But I definitely got the sense okay. that she wasn't nineteen. Right. Still high school, possibly yeah. senior. This the the water guy. He still seemed young enough in this kind of smaller community where 
maybe he's only a year or two older. Maybe he this is kind of a newer ish job. Right. But I I would agree there was it, there was some weirdness, but I didn't. I, I guess I just tried to write it off as like they're really only a couple years apart, <laughs> and then sure. I wanted to move on. Fair I didn't enough. want to linger That's too much. Fair, I guess. Um, but you brought up Mandy, so let's uh go on to Mandy. So can I actually lead this one off? You don't mind? Yes. So if you all remember me saying a while ago that uh, Mandy, in my opinion, was just kind of a boring movie. I really couldn't get into it. I had a hard time getting into it. It was just so slow paced. Well, I made a promise to Adam that before today, I would watch it again with him. And we did. And I am going to change my opinion of Mandy. Whoa. Completely do a 180 on this. Why? Well, I thought about that. Why did I not like it as much the first time as I did the second time? So with me, I have a finer appreciation when I watch a movie a second time. Yeah. Okay. But normally, I have a, a somewhat of an appreciation for it the first time as well. I just learn a little more of it about it. With Mandy, Mandy's a very specific kind of movie. It may be a cagey movie, but you really have to be in the right kind of headspace to watch a movie like Mandy. And when I and my the only thing I can come up with is that when I first watched that movie. I was not prepared for what I was about to see. I did not. Re- I knew that it was going to be Nick Cage killing people. I, I I knew that, but I've seen Nick Cage kill people before. Mm-hmm. I didn't. The whole psychedelic aspect of it, and the cult aspect of it, I really was not prepared for at all. So I think in my mind I was just like, oh, I don't want to watch something. <laughs> you know, and that's probably why the first time around it didn't put the best taste in my mouth. But when I watched it yesterday, now knowing what I was getting myself into, I paid a lot closer attention to everything that was going on, the details of the movie, understanding the characters, especially uh, oh, what's Jeremiah's last name in it again? Jeremiah Sand. Sand, thank you. Yeah. Jeremiah the Sand. The oh leader, yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting to understand him and his fucking crew. It's a very well done movie. Um, it's a, it, it does it's not very heavy in its uh, dialogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's got great dialogue in it, but it's not so dialogue centric that you're just getting overwhelmed with information. It's just that here's a story about a guy and his girlfriend who were put in the worst possible fucking situation you could ever imagine yourself being put in, and now here. It turns into a revenge story, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It was really well done. And I, yeah, like I said, I probably am not, I, I took that out of my top five worst Nick Cage movies, and I have put that into, wow. up there within, maybe not my top five best, but definitely up there in my top ten. Wow. Yeah, I, I can totally understand how it could be um, a difficult movie to get into not knowing anything about it or maybe not being in the mood for such a movie because it does start off really slow. Um, it's definitely kind mm-hmm. of a, uh, the way it's shot is a more artsy, psychedelic. Yep. It's got like all those saturated colors mm-hmm. going on. And I think the first part of the movie is really just about um, showing the viewer um, what Red and Mandy's relationship is like. Like there's they're soulmates and they love each other and they live for each other and that's mm-hmm. pretty much all there is to their lives. So I think the viewer has to really understand that and that has to be solidified and set up for the viewer for the 
second part of the movie to really have as much of an effect, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would completely so, agree with yeah. that. Yeah. I I enjoyed I, I agreed this this movie was a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Um I wasn't prepared for the slow burn part. So I thought, okay, you know, oh he's in love with someone, something happens to her, he's gonna go full cage. And he does, eventually. <laughs> I but it it was like very well well filmed. Mm-hmm. Beautiful colors. Um I've got like neat deaths. Trippy cinematography. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Cage is perfectly cagey. Um, but I did find kind of that first part a little easy to be distracted. Uh, I will, I'm not saying I won't watch it. I think after, especially after hearing your turnaround, that it's definitely worth a, a second watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did like it, but I, I, it was kind of that what was I, what my expectations were and what I actually got. So. It still met my expectations, but again, that slow burn part was, I just wasn't ready for it. I wasn't right. ready for that setup. I was already expecting, okay, yes, yes, I get it. They, they love each other. Okay, now, get them! Get some of the yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was, so, the la- the last half, the later half of that movie was what I was looking for. And you know, um, I ended up turning off Mandy the first time that I watched it. Really? I didn't watch it all the way through. I was just like, I don't want to watch this this movie but i don't think i was in the mindset of saying i don't want to watch this kind of movie i don't know where i where my head was at the day i decided to turn it on and then just decided i i'm not into this Mm -hmm. um because it's weird for me because you know the kind of movies i'm into you know the kind of movies i'm into i mean i'm just i i can handle some fucked up movies i've seen a lot of crazy fucked up movies but just I think I personally do have to know what I'm getting myself into before I get myself into it. I got a buddy of mine who will dive who will dive just right into any fucking movie that you throw in for scenes. Um, doesn't matter what it is, put it on, he'll watch it. And I'm personally not I, I'm personally not like that. You know. So had I gone into it the known that at the beginning knowing what this movie was gonna be like, I don't think I would have had to have worried about watching it a second time to get a final yeah, I, I like it a lot because uh, just personally I'm fascinated with like cults and cult mm-hmm. leaders and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to me and I thought the character of Jeremiah Sand was uh, really interesting and he was totally, you know, insane by the time we see him in, yeah. in Mandy. But there's some like backstory to this too where he was um, kind of this failed musician, um, kind of like Charles Manson mm-hmm. inspired and um, only about a year ago, um, he put out, Jeremiah Sand put out this record. Uh, you can stream it on Spotify or buy it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's like a full-length EP. It's really creepy. Oh, cult music. Check it out. I listen to it. It's yeah. something else. <laughs> so I like that there's this, like, Mandy fan universe, mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I don't know if I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd have to really be into the movie, but... Now, of all the movies that you all have seen, and... Have recommended. I don't think I can do this one. Oh, okay. I just I don't have the attention span for this kind of movie. I'm not saying that everything has to be super exciting all the time or flashy or anything like that. Um, but if I can't get engaged in a movie, then I'm already I'm already mentally checked out. Right. I'd say turn it on and then fast forward to when he's in the bathroom and then play. 
Um, no, I would say just a little before the bell. Just a little before. You have to know why he's in the Well, bathroom, yeah, yeah. So. But oh, that's I when the caginess kicks in. Call. That's true. To full cage mode. And I want that axe. The yeah. beast. The beast. The beast yeah. is amazing. <laughs> oh my god, I want that axe. That's a pretty cliche name for a weapon. You know what? That's what it needs to be called. Look up, Just look it up, and you'll be like, okay, I, I guess I get it. Fine. All right. And that, uh, what was the, uh... The Horn of Abraxas. The Horn we were of talking Abraxas. about that. That he uses oh, to, like, man. call these kind of demon people. No demon beings. <laughs> oh, what's the comment? Oh. I have to know. Yeah, now you need to comment. Uh, um, I play Dungeons and Dragons. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but what was funny is I was commenting <laughs> yesterday about how weird is it that this, that they summon, like, these demon-like creatures, but yet they, they live kind of odd normal lives for demons you know like right like they lived in a trailer and they do cocaine <laughs> and one of them was watching pornography aiming. you know they're aiming kind of low i mean it's like they're enjoying their time and like they her. literally have like like and like they're, they're rolling on motorcycles and like they have but they have like nails through them that they they reminded me oh, a like lot of Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Yeah. Oh, you know, they're really making that. They're Hellraiser? They are. Yeah. Wait, that, I, yeah, this could be like the 10th one, isn't they it? You know what? I yeah. told you my parents let us watch movies we shouldn't have watched when we were very little. Yeah. Yep. Hellraiser was another one. There you go. All of them. Oh, dear. And <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't go back to that. That is funny. That is an aspect of horror that I will never, ever, 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 ever touch again. Why? Well, when you put it in the context of I've had 30 plus surgeries. Uh Uh-huh. And they put like gigantic metal rods and pins and everything in there and then took them out again. I suppose, yeah. The body horror component. Mm -hmm. I get that. I can't do it. Sure, okay. And the whole like. Uh, no disrespect to anyone who's actually into this thing, but scarification. Like, oh, yeah. yeah the, no. the pain that would go along with that, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everyone to themselves doing whatever they like, whatever. I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I can't empathize with it. I can't even look when it's happening. All I can think about is, is like, transferring my own painful experiences to that. And I can I, watch somebody in a I movie can't. get their head blown right the fuck off with a shotgun, but the moment yep. I see a knife go to skin, I'm just like, no. That, like, I, that's I just, not so bad, but like like the Hellraiser stuff, I can't, I can't the, do Right, right. So. No, no needles. It's funny because like, Tim's got a thing about needles, so anytime someone's getting a shot, yeah. He gets all twitchy. It's super oh. cute. It doesn't even matter if it's just like a family friendly sitcom and it's mm-hmm. so you don't ever actually see any kind of puncture or anything. It's just that the idea of it happens. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So I can understand that. You know, for me it's anything with like the eyeballs. So in, in Mandy they do like the drops in the eyes or something. Oh yeah, yeah. the L S D. Yeah. No. Oh god, that makes my eyeballs twitchy just thinking about it. Ugh. So so you're gonna give Mandy a pass. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, right. you know what? I will say this. Um, I, I completely understand what you're saying, and you know what? Had I not had this, had we not had this podcast coming up, I probably would never have given Mandy a second chance. So you're welcome. And I want to thank you for broadening my horizons. Yeah, with, uh, you're welcome. Yeah. And, you know, and still fuck everyone else for making me watch City of Angels. No. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> 
So we're going to move on to one of his newer movies, been out for a while, which is Pig. So Pig, I think, do we all get a chance to watch that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So who wants to go first? I will. Okay. I said earlier, I watched it while my husband was taking a nap because I was like, well, why not, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did actually pay to watch this one. I did oh, too, because it's only. So I was like, this better time. fucking be worth Good for you guys to support <laughs> film industry like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Amazon is on. I can tell you that I yeah. did not. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I kind of got the idea of what this was going to be about from our group chat, you know, kind of like um, Taken, but with the pig being right. the rescue mm-hmm. subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pig, so adorable. So cute. I love that pig. I want that pig. I understand why he got mad. <laughs> I had a potbelly pig as a pet briefly growing up, but my stepdad decided that that wasn't a good fit for us. Man, I love that pig. Mm. Pigs are so smart, and they're so cute, and they're really not any more like messy than you know a traditional pet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, oh, I really love this pig. And I'm like, Damn, Nick Cage looks like he's had a rough life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he takes such good care of that pig. She's just immaculate. Mm-hmm. Totally clean. Yeah. All the time. And just living her best pig life. Yeah. Yeah. So adorable. <laughs> and knowing that, uh, you know, she's clearly going to get kidnapped, I was like dreading, dreading the moment. Like, what is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. Like, is she going to be okay? <laughs> All about this pig. And, you know, then, you know, I started getting into it a bit more because Nick Cage started cooking with all the different things that mm-hmm. that he foraged. And I, I'm a sucker for a good cooking show, like Great Bitch Bake Off. Oh, oh, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> when you want to see bad stuff. But I'm like, wait, he actually knows what he's doing. He just, that looks delicious. I want that. Like, his hands are really dirty, but I'd still probably eat that. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this might be a little more than just taken with a pig. So then, you know, pig gets kidnapped and, and he goes on his rescue mission and you start to unravel, like, who he is or was. Mm-hmm. And I got I got sucked into the story. Like, I didn't I didn't think I was going to. I went into this with the approach, oh boy, taken with a pig, here we go. Yeah, another, taken with a pig yeah. starring Nick Cage. Another, yeah. another cagey <laughs> movie. But it wasn't. Oh. Yeah. He was not cagey. I think there was maybe like one brief moment, but generally speaking, he was not cagey during this movie, and he didn't have a lot of dialogue either. Um, but you just see him take so much punishment emotionally, physically, and everything along the way, and it's weird because most people like didn't say anything about it, and he's just like covered in dirt and, and blood and wounds, and he goes to that fancy restaurant as in babe. In God knows how ever. Long. So there were some aspects of it. I'm like, this isn't really realistic. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the supporting characters and their tragic little story as well mm-hmm. and how they all interweave together was just, it was really well written. And I always appreciate a good story. So mm-hmm. um, this one surprised me. And this was the movie that made me go, okay, maybe I should give him a little more of a chance. Yeah. A little more credit. Yeah, yeah. And, should. you know, my cage movie watching definitely ramped up after watching this movie because I'm like, okay, they're not all. Did yeah. you watch Jujitsu before or after Pig? Sure. You poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> Your Nick Cage 
binge watching Ramped Up and you went into jujitsu. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I watched plenty of you unique know, cage movies after Big. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know how I told you Aaron was napping, right? Yeah. Well, uh, he came out, saw that in the pig, and was like, "What the hell is this?" And then I'm like. Oh, no, 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 I've got one for you. Read the description on this. I'm like, this is going to be awful. <laughs> so we went into it knowing, uh, and he really wanted to watch it. And it was just as amusing watching that with him as it was just watching it on my own because he has several black belts. Like, he knows the fighting that they were doing, like the weapon fighting and everything. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, they're actually doing a decent job at this. It's too bad that the rest of the movie sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know, I kind of wish we could have watched King together, too, in hindsight, because I think he would have appreciated it instead of just coming out and saying, what the hell is this shit? Mm-hmm. Um, if he started it from the beginning. Yeah, I think like you, I I thought going into it just by reading the description, and, and you know me, I'm going to always give Cage the benefit of the doubt before I see anything. So, <laughs> but even reading the description, I was like, I don't know about this, but uh, I loved it. I think it, I connected with it because um, I really love my dog and um, the pig could have been, you know, a man's best friend or mm. dog too and could have gone through all those same feelings if someone kidnapped my dog and I don't know. I, I thought it was excellent and uh, I even recommended it to my mom who does not like Nick Cage at all and, and she really liked it. So I feel like this... This one has got some mass appeal, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it'll win some awards. I don't know. Maybe. Well, by the way, I love his dog, too. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't met your dog, and I love your dog. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know what kind of dog it is. But you know, he's a good boy. But dogs are great. Okay. Um, <laughs> God, what can I say that you two already haven't said? It sucked. Uh, no. Fuck this going to have a dissenting opinion You know... I've said this a couple times today, and I'll say it again. It, it, it is relatable in a sense, because like you just said, what happens if somebody does, you know, steals the one thing that you probably love most in the world? And then how, what, what lengths would you go to to get that back? You know, you know, whether it's pig or, you know, taken, whatever, you know. <laughs> Someone took your DVD copy of Taken. <laughs> that would be a really fun spoof of that movie. But you have a point, and I think the part of the mass appeal of this movie is in its timing. Like, we're living in, in an age, uh, especially with, with social media involved, where people are really, like, out proud and loud elevating the status of their pet as family members. Like, loved, cherished family members. You know, the, the traditional old view uh, of that is more like, these are practical members of your household. Like, People started keeping cats around to get rid of vermin. You know, people mm-hmm, kept dogs mm-hmm. around for protection and hunting. And mm-hmm. you know, but no, now we're we're in an age where it's like, no, I I love them. They're my they're my kids. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and I totally get that because I feel I feel that way about our our cats too. And it, you know, I just think would this movie been as successful if we didn't have that view of animals right sure. now? Sure, I don't know. Oh, that's a good point. And yeah. you know, I pro- probably not. But that just just shows that even a as us as humans, how we have evolved a little bit to see them as kind of second-rate creatures to as if they're our, our own children in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Pig, I, I have a hard time saying this. I, I know this is true in my mind, but I have a hard time saying it out loud because there are so many good Nick Cage films out there, but I think I've said it to you guys that, in my opinion, this is his finest work. This is, this is... 
Nick Cage, he doesn't have to be cagey. He seemed restrained, but intentionally mm-hmm. so. He, yeah, yeah, he would, definitely. Yeah. You could see the focus in his face when he was portraying this character. Um, and um, it's, yeah, I think it was a very respectful role. And like you said, you know, he's going everywhere in this movie just dirty and beat up and wounded and bloodied and, you know, nobody's batting an eye at it. But you don't really, like, you notice it, but you don't, you're not really paying attention to that aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm saying maybe that was my problem. <laughs> <laughs> but, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie. And, yeah. Uh, you know, the one, the one like, trivial thing that I walked away from this movie with was, like, I want to have that meal that made that guy cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to know what that's like. I don't think I've ever seen made, anything that, that, that's that good. He made Ratatouille, didn't he? He did? Uh, Nick Cage and then um, Dude's Son. It sure as hell looked like He made Ratatouille. I was like, Remy would be so proud. I love Oh, you're talking Ratatouille. about that when he's at that, when he's at the house with uh, yeah. uh, yep. the, 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 the guy's father. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Because yeah. it looked like, and this is based, strictly based off the movie Ratatouille, the way they sliced the vegetables yeah. and then laid it in the pan. I was like, you made Ratatouille. That's what I thought, too, but I wasn't sure. But whether it was or it wasn't, I mean, if it was, that is a great homage to that. Because the food critics in that movie yes. have the same sort of emotional response. Yes. I want to eat a meal like that. I really do. Like, some... Some and, transcendental experience mm-hmm. of food. And this movie did not get a theatrical release, right? No, I don't think it did. I, don't I think didn't think so. I didn't think so. And actually, in a way, with movie theaters now, you know, opening back up and more people going into the movies since COVID, I found this movie to be perfect for the at-home experience. Sure. Because when you're going to a movie theater, you're experiencing something with the audience, you know? And although you might enjoy watching that film, it doesn't seem like you're, it, to me, you're not going to get the personal experience with it. Um, and watching this at home, you're personally, wa- it's just, you feel like it's you, just, just you and this guy. And you're watching his every step that he's going through emotionally. And you're feeling it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can get that when you're with a big audience. Because no, they're right. prob- you're probably surrounded by different kinds of emotions instead yeah. of just you know, focusing on your own. And I think that's what made this movie also more impactful is that I got to watch it in my, you know, in my little, my little den, you know, and I got to personally get involved with, you know, this man and just his, just everything he went through in that small period just to find out in the end that, spoiler, that his pig is dead, Mm -hmm. you know. You're right. It is a, it's an emotionally intimate experience. Mm-hmm. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier in the podcast, too, where Nick Cage's characters are often not relatable. Mm-hmm. This was one where you could. You could empathize with the character, too. You, mm-hmm. you could mm-hmm. put yourself in, in their shoes to, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just his character, though. Like, oh, yeah. The, the, when, you know, the couple dealer that he works with yeah. taking him around and oh, he ended yeah. up visiting his mom at mm-hmm. one point. Oh yeah. That hit me so hard. Yeah. I just I just like okay, this this was already emotional enough. I wasn't mm-hmm. ready for this. I need a moment. And then, you know, they go they go to emotionally unavailable dad and he has that mm-hmm. he has that dinner and he breaks down and I'm just yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> and I thought so you know, like you, Laura, I thought this was taken with a pig. Mm-hmm. And when I first kind of heard about it, like I saw it was like trending on Twitter and I was like, oh, so they've got a new 
you know, Willy's Wonderland. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, this shit looks legit. Mm-hmm. And I know I told you about it in a chat and I was like, you need to watch the trailer. And you're like, I'm not going to watch the trailer. I'm not watch the trailer. <laughs> and then I swear to fucking it. God, a week later, you're like, have you guys seen the trailer for Pig? And I was like, I'm going to punch you in your face. <laughs> you, do that. You, you do that a lot. Do do. <laughs> I have some habits. <laughs> Love you for them. Yeah. But yeah, so when I, so after watching the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks like a legit movie. And then it's like, oh, you know, and then he goes on to retrieve his pig and you find out more about his past. So I'm thinking ex-CIA or something, you know, like. Mm. I was so happy it wasn't that. Yes, yeah. I was, it was, yeah, just talk a about a breath of fresh they air. They could have just easily have just pulled that yeah. move to ex-cop yeah. or something But like I that. love that it was a chef and I love that he was so well-respected and well-renowned within Portland, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Where. He's going to these places and he's just like name drop me. Yeah. And they're letting him they're letting this kid in and giving him all the, the wines and you know and all the things. Yep. And I really appreciated kind of the flip to that where he's got this power, this pull, this persuasion, even out being out in the woods for God knows how long at this point. Yeah. Where he doesn't need to be the beat em up vengeance vengeance type. Yeah, He's killing them with kindness, be- but not even killing them. Speaking of beat He's breaking up, them with kindness. Beat them up, though. How about, like, this underground world of just, like, fighting chefs and, like, people in the food <laughs> industry? Like, this this fight club that exists. Or even the I truffle market itself. Yes! Yeah. What the hell? I didn't know that existed. The Damn, Portland! I, the truffle market, I, I get. Okay. Like, the, the chef fight club shit. <laughs> like, that's cool. I was like... Damn, Portland, you're crazy. Like, I wasn't put <laughs> off by that in the least bit. Like for a second there, I was just like, okay, here comes the cage. But I was like, you yeah. know what? This is actually yeah. fitting in pretty well to the story. It yeah. made you feel that it could be a real thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And it, bus honestly, boys and chefs and just there's weirder things in the world. Than waiters that. and waitresses mm-hmm. yeah. just fucking duking it out. I mean, it's it's but, a tough industry. But I was see that. But I was surprised that I was like, yeah, okay, here we go. He's gonna cage out and we're gonna ah! see like what the badass was. Yeah. He got his ass fucking walloped. On he purpose did. too. He just yeah. Took it. He took it. And then he's just like, Where's my big? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I love that yeah, he broke everyone broke them emotionally just through food. The power mm-hmm. of food. And I, I was know. like, it was you know, like I, you said with Con Air, like this was a breath of fresh this air. Was. Like not just was. a cage movie, but genre wise. Genre wise, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I mean, I don't even know what type of person. I don't know what genre I would really categorize this in because there's so many different things going yeah. on in this movie. Maybe if anything, the closest it comes to is a drama. That's what I was but, thinking. But a love it's got story. Other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Rescue story. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like everything. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? My favorite scene, I think was when he was at that fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And the chef comes out to the table and is like, you know, looking down his nose at him. And then he puts him in his place, but also he also reminds him of who he was and oh. why he got into the Wasn't he a busboy under him or something like place? that? What his dreams were? Yeah. And I was just like, that. damn, that is crushing. Mm-hmm. Like, he is he is crushing this dude with words, and he's not saying anything mean. Everything he's saying is just the truth. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> truth hurts. Because one of the one of the best lines in that movie was something along something like, "You don't get a lot of chances to to love something or mm-hmm. to a 
obsessed something or something. I'm totally right. something that profound. Up. Yeah. Something, yeah, it was something profound. And I was just like, damn, <laughs> that's deep. <laughs> but just watching, just watching the whole like body language and, and, and facial expressions and everything of that, uh, that chef who used to work for him change as Nick Cage's character is talking to him. It was just so well done. Mm-hmm. And then you have the truffle dealer sitting there like, Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> it was totally mind blown. <laughs> it was just perfect. Uh, like I said, there's just little things about the movie that make it not a perfect movie for me. Like the total disregard for the sheer awfulness of physical state that Nick Cage's character is in the whole time. It seems unrealistic. Just hit, but, mm-hmm. but just also his disconnect with the outside world as well. I mean, I, I think that also played kind of a big role in how we got on, on how we kind of sympathize for this character you know he he wasn't really in with modern technology you know when he was brought into portland uh by the truffle dealer whose name is really escaping me i keep trying like to think mirror. of what it was um but like he doesn't seem phased by what's going on but at the same time he just he, you could tell he's a man out of place mm-hmm. you know? he was so isolated mm-hmm. yeah that. like he's not really so much focused on his surroundings he just wants to find his pig he's a man on a mission but you know you look at his surroundings you see him i mean honestly if any of us were walking through the city streets and we saw someone look like nick cage what would be the first thing that goes through to your head? Ew. Like, well, I was thinking maybe this guy is homeless or something. Yeah. That would be the first thing that goes through my head. Well, just the way he was so, mm-hmm. like, bloodied. Like, he finally washes his face at one point. I'd want to like, ask him if he's okay. Yeah. Like, I seriously would. It's not just that he looks like he's homeless. Cause mm-hmm. It's not just that he's dirty. Mm-hmm. He is full-on bleeding from right. head wounds. That's true, yeah. Like, I don't even know how he stays throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Well, not, wasn't you know, that's probably the cagiest thing about this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Superficial head wounds, even superficial ones, bleed so much. Yeah. It's just, like, I would be seriously worried for his well-being. Yeah. Plus, you know, he's got to have at least a concussion. Like, <laughs> being someone who has brain damage from, you know, not-so-great circumstances. Mm-hmm. I'd be worried as hell, and no one, like, says anything, and Portland's supposed to be this friendly, like, hippie-ish place. I find it funny and that even... And like, what? So friendly that they were just like, he's dead. <laughs> I never even thought about it until you started saying all that, but even with the entire... His main constant companion in this entire movie is the truffle dealer. Like, they're always with each other. I'm surprised throughout, not once in the movie, does he offer to bring him to get medical attention, yeah. or right. to help clean him up. Mm-hmm. Like, not once. Once doesn't well, even make reference does, to it. He does try to get him to take a shower in the beginning of the movie. Oh, and okay. Meets the what is portrayed as typical resistance. Yeah, sure. But still, he never offers to take him to the hospital or anything. And I don't know if that's because like of what happened with his mother, or mm-hmm. or if it's yeah. just an oversight. And because that isn't clearly communicated, that's where the movie falls a little short for me. But I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. I would have, yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us have really anything bad to say about this movie. No, not really. It's I had certain expectations going into it, and it blew those expectations out of the water. For you just for watched better. it when, like 
just like two days ago? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're really fresh on it. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish awesome. I could watch it. I want to watch it with fresh eyes that we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I, I wonder, not that Hollywood has kind of given up on Nicolas Cage as a uh, bankable leading man, uh, but he's, we talked about it, he's been doing a lot of like uh, video on demand or direct to video stuff, uh, indie stuff like Mandy. I don't want to get my hopes up, but I wonder if this is going to make Hollywood take another look at him as a more serious, like, can we cast Cage in, in a, a movie? What studio put out? I have no idea. I'm not sure. It was, yeah, it was kind of an Indian. I think I read that it was done very quickly. It was filmed within like okay. five days. Oh, so really? it was something really short like that. The pig that, that makes they got. It more impressive. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. The pig that they got was not a professional pig. It was a oh, pig, an, an untrained pig that apparently bit Nick. Um, <laughs> and then I think in that video. That's how all great relationships <laughs> I want to see them in a Turner type, Turner yeah. and Hooch type uh, buddy oh, comedy. That no. reminds me of a Doctor Who quote. I love fighting. It's like kissing, but with a winner. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a winner. Yeah, that's, that's the TARDIS. That's the TARDIS. <laughs> All right. So let's let's start wrapping this up. Let's talk about some of like our top five, personal five, Nick Cage. And we don't have to do lowest five, I, I think. Jujitsu is my last one, just like IMDb. Sometimes the masses are right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, top, top for me though. Like if I'm going for family friendly, um, if we're talking whether he's a leading role or not, I I gotta say Sorcerer's Apprentice. I I adore that movie, mm-hmm. and I will always watch it whenever I see that it's available. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, it's on Netflix. Watch. I haven't yeah. seen it. Oh, so I probably should, right? It's it's adorable. It okay. is. It's just adorable. Okay. It's got it's got it's Jay, Jay Bursch Jay, Jay Burrasho or something. I'm not sure how to say oh, his I know name, him. But sure. he's the lead in How to Train Your Dragon <laughs> voice actor. Yep. Um that's where he's recognizable from. But I've seen him in other movies too earlier in his career. Okay. And he's an adorable, effective comedian. Mm-hmm. And just perfectly cast in this movie. It's yeah. If we're going for Nick Cage's leading person uh, prior to seeing Pig, I would have said The Rock because I love it so much. Sure. But I'm actually going to go with Pig. Okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So those are your tops? Any other tops? or no. I'll, I'll give you a five. Okay. Nope. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> wow, can't even fill five. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Adam, what about you? What are your top five? Okay, so I'm going to um, start with number five, uh, Red Rock West. I just think it's underrated. Under desired, <laughs> no one knows about it, so check it out. Um, it's hard to find on streaming, as you mentioned, though. So, uh, good luck finding it. Hopefully, at your library. Yeah. Um, number four, and we didn't touch on this one yet, and it's also a streaming recommendation of mine. Uh, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New oh, Orleans. Good movie. Um, it came out in the mid two thousands, like two thousand seven or eight. It's directed by Werner Herzog. Hmm. Has a really, really, yeah. really good cast as well. It's got uh, Ava Mendez, uh, Val Kilmer is in it. Um, it's just a really good movie uh, about Nicolas Cage kind of assuming this role of a not a bad cop, but a cop with problems. Um, so that one's really good. Um, number three, I'll put Con Air. Number two, uh, Face Off. And then number one for me is Wild at Heart. Eric? Well, I made a best, a worst, a cagiest list of all five films. <laughs> So, 
Should I go through all of them? I can go through them quickly. Okay. Okay. First, I want to drop just a few honorable mentions. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bitter patter, oh, Eric. Okay. <laughs> so, first, just a few honorable mentions. First, National Treasure 1 and 2. Because they're, in the end, despite what what he may have been going through at the time of his career, they're not terrible movies. And when they're on, usually you'll just kind of, you'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bringing Out the Dead is another mm-hmm. honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, just fantastic movie about getting that perspective of that night shift uh, EMT. Just, oh, I can't imagine living that life. No. It's crazy. And then, because of my 180 last night, Mandy is going to be an honorable mention for me. But now, jumping into my best with number five, Wild at Heart. Just fantastic movie. Absolutely loved it. My number four is Face Off. My number three is Adaptation. Um, we didn't really spend a lot of time talking about adaptations today, just a little bit, but um, and I don't think I really uh, got in on that, but it, that's just a really good story. Mm-hmm. Great story. Everybody played their roles to perfection in that. And Meryl Streep, out of everybody, surprised me the most in that movie. I loved her character. So, oh. yeah. That's a good one. You, I will definitely be watching that yeah. one. I just mm-hmm. didn't get to it in time before this. I loaned you my DVD, but I don't know where the fuck it Mara went. Mara Streep surprised me. She's a powerhouse. No, she's great. She's, she's great at everything yeah. she is. But the type of character she portrays in this movie um, and how her character basically makes a 180 on her lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's okay. that's where it comes. That's what I mean by it. Fair enough. Number two, Con Air. Con Air is just a classic. Will always be one of my favorites. And that wasn't my favorite for the longest time, but until number one, Pig. Hey, my favorite oh, Nicholas Cage movie of all time. Pink. Damn. Now, I have been holding my tongue this entire time on this. I just want to quickly run through my five worst Nick Cage movies. All right. So number five is The Wicker Man. <laughs> um, number four is The Family Man. Number three is City of Angels. Number two is Ghost Rider. Ugh, and that God. was pure garbage. But number one, and I'm sorry, you guys. The Sorcerer's Apprentice. You son of a bitch. I did <laughs> We're gonna not throw down. like it at all. Now I really need to watch this yeah. movie if it's so um, divisive here. You need to watch it and then uh, tell him how wrong he is. I really... <laughs> I could Eric, not... I was on board I, with that, what you were saying. I, I, I don't, uh, the disappointment I don't in Laura's right face. Oh you guys God. should see this right now. Like, um, that is the most adorable movie it ever. It is super adorable. Especially on Nick Cage terms. It was... A, Incredibly predictable all the way through. Da-doy! It's supposed to be! Nick Cage, I felt like, put in 30% of what he could actually pull off. Yes, he should have. Um, (laughs) 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 Alright, I'll give you that, maybe. Fair enough. Um, I didn't think the villain was good at all in that movie. The the, the sorcerer villain guy, um, and the whole thing with the vase, and just... I didn't like it. I thought someone it... someone doesn't understand the genre. I apparently. Oh, if anybody understands fantasy, the fantasy genre. Is I, it a I'm, kids movie? It's a kid-ish movie, I okay. guess. It, yeah, family it's a friendly. Family, yeah, family friendly, friendly movie. Yeah. So, yes, which is why I'm saying someone doesn't understand the genre. I'm sorry. My wife really enjoyed it, so. She has very good taste. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, that is probably, I'm sorry, my number one worst Nick Cage movie. I am sorry. Damn. I hope I am. Not not allowed back here. Holy shit. <laughs> Tolerating begin. No. And then finally, I just <laughs> I want to jump into my cagiest films because I took the time to write them out. Number five, again, I'm going to repeat, is Wild at Heart. 
Because that was a cagey role. It was great. It totally was... cagey. Yeah. And uh, to repeat myself again with my number four, it's actually Face Off. Because, well, yeah. I mean, seriously. But number three, a movie we didn't like touch up on at all today, which I'm surprised about, Vampire's Kiss. That was an entertaining and cagey movie. Like, oh. I enjoyed the cageyness in that movie. I like it because that's the role, that's the movie where he truly starts experimenting with these yeah. different levels mm-hmm. of cageyness A-B-C-D. that he, he later perfects <laughs> and we see in later roles. So yeah. I love I love it in this in that sense that mm-hmm. we're it's like a sampler platter right. of, yeah. of cagey. Sure. KG cheese. It allowed some latitude yeah. to try mm-hmm. things there. I mean, Absolutely. the fact that he's, the whole reason for him opening his eyes as big as he could was simply to see how big his eyes could get. Probably the most favorite I is the best. I have time. to turn away from that. I can't. Ugh. But you know what? When I went into that movie, I really expected this to be a full-on Nick Cage vampire film. It, but it is. Yeah. Well, it is, kind of. But what really where I, how I viewed it is what it was more of a tragic story for him and for Alba. But I felt terrible for her that entire movie. Mm-hmm. This woman was being basically tortured yes, by yeah. her boss. And I was just like, this is like the worst case scenario that anybody could be in when they're stuck somewhere, yeah. you know? And I wouldn't want to be in that position. And when he, when her brother killed him in the end, all that, that was the only solution, mm-hmm. you know? But still, full on cage mode in that movie. Number two for me would be Color Out of Space. Um, even though it's a very more seriously toned movie, it does have its, uh, uh, I think it has a lot of cage in it. Yeah. It really does. And number one, of course, Willy Wonderland. <laughs> very good. My top five cage movies in no particular order. Raising Arizona. Okay. That will always be number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peggy Sue got married. Mm-hmm. Face off. Gotta throw pig on there. Cause that was just such a surprise and such a, such a nice change, like we said, genre-wise mm-hmm. as well. Uh, God. Because Color Out of Space was so fucking good, but Con Air is just classic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put Con Air. It's just too mm-hmm. classic, too quintessential. Yeah. Nick. I don't know what I would really put for my least favorites. It's hard to say. City I mean, of Angels. Well, City of fucking Angels. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't even want it on any list. Can I clarify? <laughs> it doesn't exist. You know Jiu-Jitsu is on my, oh my god, don't do this list. But I will give it this over City of Angels. It was kind of funny. Well, yeah. Because it was so bad. City of Angels is not funny. It's okay. not entertaining. Was Jiu-Jitsu at least, were, was it not a bad time to spend 90 <laughs> minutes to two hours? Yes, it was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. But, but there are more entertaining moments in it than entertaining moments in City of Angels. And the moments in City of Angels that are entertaining to me are the, you're so beautiful <laughs> and Meg Ryan's death. And neither of those were meant to be funny, <laughs> but they're funny to me because that movie is so awful. That's I true. feel like I'd have less what the fuck is going on in the scene moments with jujitsu than I did with City of Angels. No, you will not. You will be like, wait, they just said the alien gave them jujitsu, so what is this? Why have they been training their whole lives? Did they just have it? Like, there's there's so many things that make you go, what? But see, I know what to expect. I know that it's going to be a bad, and it'll be a fun rage watch, whereas, oh, so I can, I have that have it's a rage expectation. Watcher, for sure. I love rage watching. I've said it before, it allows me to participate in what I'm watching. Yeah, I mean, if I had to choose between those two of which one, like, I had to watch one again, I had no choice. I had, 
I would have a really hard time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn. Uh, damn. That's really harsh. That but... is super harsh, but I love it. Um, all right, so real quick with uh, IMDb, their IMDb's top Nick Cage movies, and I'll just kind of let's see. They do have Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, but I don't consider that a, a Cage movie not specifically. Really. Not really. But no. it's an amazing movie. He uh, does play a great noir Spider Man. Yes, he does a great. He's a really good voice actor. He is. I, I he is. and that. that's why it's the it was good. Yeah, actually, that's another good family friendly option. But you're not gonna realize that's Nick Cage. You're definitely gonna realize it in Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, adaptation is second on IMDb's list at seven point seven. Lord of War, which oh, I so love good. that movie. So good. I didn't was, get a chance to rewatch it. That was one of my rewatches during this period. Oh, that's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Kick-Ass is then next, but again, not necessarily a, a Nick Cage movie. Right. And then Leaving Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that the, the role that got him the Oscar is like the fifth uh, highest movie on his list. Well, but if we take... Rating. Yeah, just by rating. But if we take off Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and even Kick-Ass, yeah. you know, then we've got Adaptation, Lord of War, Leaving sure. Las Vegas. I'm surprised to hear Lord of War on there. And Lord of War's an amazing movie, don't get me wrong, but I'm surprised that IMDb would put that within its top five. Well, it's based on user yeah. critic ratings, right? Yep. Or, oh, okay. so not yeah. necessarily his. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got I've, a couple. Not, I've never actually voted it for anything on IMDb before. So I'm anything. surprised Leaving Las Vegas is on there because I don't know many people who could bear to watch that movie right now. It's, it's not something you're going to go back to probably no. much at all. I feel like it's strictly based off of, well, he won the award for this one. Yeah. yeah. Adaptation, he was, too. yeah. And he was nominated for adaptation. Again, it's not a bad movie. It's just it's a tough I, watch. I, I can't, I can't ever watch it again. I'll never watch the movie again. Yeah, I'll actually probably watch Requiem for a Dream ten more times before <laughs> I ever watch this movie again. So, uh, uh, you mentioned you had some honorable mentions. One that I didn't get a chance to rewatch, but uh, I always kind of liked was the Wind Talkers. So that's, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. and I because I like the story that it tells and that the role that the Native Americans play. You're gonna have to tell me what that's called. I think I've ever seen. You can Google it. It's but... a World War II film. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they basically use um, Navajo. Navajo. Yep. As as um, quote, a secret language for for their messages. Hmm. So that's how they communicated to different units and whatnot okay. in during World War Two. Um, it's it's based on a true story and it's definitely worth watching mm-hmm. um but you know then i would recommend doing like if the subject actually interests you i would recommend doing some actual reading on it mm-hmm. because there are some things that it takes some liberties with sure mm-hmm. um so you know, but i but like it is a good portrayal i think yeah and i like that we find that there was a movie that had like a big name actor that told that story liberties taken or not because you kind of expect that with movies based on true events or books or anything. Yeah, so sure. it was, I, I just, I appreciated the fact that someone wanted to tell that story and they told that story because I don't remember learning that no. in, in high school. So no, because high school. History <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fun facts. Let's do our fun facts. So on the subject of vampires kiss, since that came up, um, I think it was on Eric's list actually. After that movie, he had to actually 
convince people that he wasn't a vampire. Yeah. So for it being an entertainingly cagey performance, it must have been super convincing. <laughs> but I think there's been a resurgence in that because of all the memes that have come out as a result of, of cagey movies such as that one. Mm-hmm. So this is like an ongoing problem for Nick Cage. <laughs> well, like, isn't there no, actually I'm a... not a vampire. <laughs> isn't there an actual photograph of someone from like the 1800s who that looks, looks just yeah. like him yes. and people think that it's him? Yes. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> but that is fun. I mean, it's funny, but it's sad at the same time because that. what does that say about us as humans? Oh, come on. We've got come on. earthers and stuff. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> fucking sure, too. It, I, you um, know, on the scale of flat earthers to is Nick Cage vampire. <laughs> <laughs> How dumb are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just saying there's worse things. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really funny. Well, I have a few facts here, but I'll only share one. Uh, we'll go around and just sure. in case, you know. If we get back to Norway, though. Uh, this one I thought to be hilarious. I thought it, this was, I didn't think this was true, but I actually saw this through a couple different sources, so I believe it. Nick Cage has done mushrooms with his cat. And, <laughs> <laughs> that's not so unbelievable. With so, his cat. So his Technically, cat. Technically, he's done them with a pig as well, if you think about it. So his cat was, uh, pulled a bag of, pulled a bag of mushrooms out of his, uh, out of his refrigerator. <laughs> um and just started eating out eating them out of the bag. So he How just did it get in the fridge? Yeah. I don't I don't know. That I don't know. But uh, he decided sure. that, he decided instead of just like rushing his cat to the vet or taking him away, that he would join the cat and he called it a peaceful and beautiful experience. Yeah. I love that man. <laughs> He's so fucking weird, it's great. And I'm guessing the cat did alright because I didn't read anything about the cat dying. They just microdose. They're fine. Yeah. <laughs> just got some snuggles and but elevated their mood. I, I, for me, of all the facts I have down here, that is probably like the cageiest fact that, that I have. That is super like, cagey. Cagey. real cagey. life fact. <laughs> so, yeah. Adam? So, um, apparently, Nick Cage and Marilyn Manson are really good friends. Um, and then uh, I read an interview where actually Manson interviewed Nick Cage. And this was recent. It only came out about a year ago during the first part of the COVID lockdown. Uh, Marilyn Manson got married. He didn't have any guests because COVID. And uh, Nick was his only virtual guest over FaceTime. Um, so both Paige and Manson took turns singing Love Me Tender from oh my God. over what? FaceTime for the wedding. What? I want to see that footage. <laughs> well, I think my one of my favorite facts is that we all know he was slated to play Superman. Um, and there's actually like a documentary about how that never happened. And it's like a very kind of meta, but anyways, I can't I'm find grateful, it. But it, it might've made it more interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Cause the screen test, he doesn't look good. He's got yeah. <laughs> black hair. Yeah. Superman is like the least cagiest person looks wise. Yeah. Demeanor, everything. Oh, absolutely. So I'm like, how do you even get to the point where you're like, I want Nick Cage to be Superman. <laughs> I, I need to know. So yeah. that would have been the Brendan Ruth era Superman. Is that correct or no? No, I think, well, yes, I think you're okay. right. Because I think when we were kind of chatting about it in the group chat, I think I looked it up and it was in between. Somewhere in reason. there. Yeah. Okay. But uh, so he didn't get a chance to play Superman until Teen Titans go to the movies. He voiced Superman. That's great. And I was so happy for him. I bet he was and I love Teen Titans Go. There you go. Viva le Viva le So that's my favorite cage fact. Um, did you want? You have a couple more you wanted to share? I actually do because these ones I found actually were really interesting. Is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So going back to Vampire's Kiss, 
there's the famous scene of him eating the cockroach. Ah, oh, gross! Okay. I didn't need to be reminded of that. Well, that you real? just were. Mm-hmm. It absolutely was. Yep. So, I don't understand this reference, So and I didn't bother really researching it, but I think it has something to do with the TV show. So, he told, Nick Cage told the director, Robert Bierman, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, that the thing that he hates most in the world are cockroaches. They're considered his room 101. I don't know what that reference is. Me either, but I okay. want to find out because they're also yeah. yeah. So then he said, they're, they are my room 101, so let me eat fucking cockroaches. <laughs> so he, it, it was Nick Cage insisting that he eat real cockroaches to get inve- to basically become this character. Ugh, yeah. That's so gross. That's like, so when, oh, so when honest. you, so when we're seeing that scene, that is a for real cockroach that he. It's a big fucking shoes. cockroach. Oh, it was huge, dude. Uh, that's normal size. Shut up. Uh, we live in Wisconsin, thankfully, so yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, to give you some background, I lived in Australia for okay. 10 years, oh, wow. where everything where was trying to kill you. And I've seen plenty of cockroaches, and there is nothing more horrifying. Like, you think... They have a kangaroo-sized cockroach, for sure. No, but <laughs> you think the swarm of spiders in Harry Potter, like, is, is freaky? That actually happened during, um... During a flood, ah! but also <laughs> you know, the whole swarm of cockroaches flying inland. That is the most disgusting thing I've seen in my life. I, oh. Did you just stay indoors the whole time? Oh yes, I watched it from the safety of inside my car. Oh, <gasps> oh my god! Um, and it, I. Oh. But not really that safe considering no, like there's tailpipes safe. Oh, like, the Hitchcock made there. the movie or the birds. Why did he not do the <laughs> That would have had even more impact. I mean, we got sick. Joe's apartment in the nineties. Oh, so. <laughs> that was an that was an attempt to like humanize cockroaches so that would be nicer to them, I think. And while it had funny moments, I'm just like, this is fucking wrong. Yeah, that's gross. That's good. But the last two known facts that I have here are both Personal to me because they're comic book related. First off, uh, he named his youngest son Cal L, which mm-hmm. is Superman's real name. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. And Nerd. Um, <laughs> well, this is the one I, that caught me by surprise. So Nicolas Cage was the owner of the rarest comic book ever made. I saw that. It I was a 9.0 version, which is a very high grading for something this old. Of Action Comics number one, which is the very first appearance of Superman. He had to sell it though, due wow. to due to him falling into debt, and he made two point two million dollars on the book, Ooh, wow. which all went towards his debt. Yeah, that is sad. So can you imagine being like the biggest Superman fan in the world? You know, that's like his. I can't imagine as a comic book lover myself. Given up something like that because I'm in a position where I have no choice. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 more hurtful than me just saying eh, I'm just gonna sell it because I'm sick of looking at it, you know. Um, so I can't imagine how Nick Cage must have felt knowing he had to give up what was probably his prized possession. But the man had bad spending habits too. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Buying castles, he's searching for the Holy Grail, yeah. like. You're trying to steal it? Well, you know what? I respect his purchases. <laughs> I do too. Do what you want. You can't treasure for real. You can't take it with you. Why the fuck not? I think he realized that. That is that is true. All right. So, if you could pick one Nick Cage movie to recommend, which one would it be? Boy, I hate for us pig. all to have the same answer. Okay, pig for you. All right, I won't pick pig. 
Okay, so I'm going to go with one that we did not talk about. Not because I think it's the best, but because I think it deserves to be mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a movie called Joe. It came out in 2013. Uh, It's a really good movie. Kind of reminds me of Pig in that it's not um, cagey at all. It's just kind of a straightforward crime drama. um, But it's a very good performance that he did. I think it's just really underlooked. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew you were going to ask this question, so I thought very hard about it because I could have easily have gone to Pig or like Con Air or anything like that. Angel's like top movie for me. But honestly, the one movie I'd recommend over anything else, and even though it's not even my favorite, is uh, Wild at Heart. Just because the movie itself, these characters, the script, it all it, it, it all comes together so well. And even though, yes, this is a cagey film, this is, I personally for me, where I think Nick, Nick Cage really started to blow up in stardom. It, that's how I viewed it. And there's just, the movie has so much going for it. Um, so Wild at Heart, I think, would be the one movie I would recommend to anybody see if they're ever going to just watch one Nick Cage movie in their life. Right on. And, what about... You know, it's... You know, yeah, do you pick something where he's appropriately cagey or something where he's not cagey? I, it's it's a hard it's a hard pick because, you know, I always want to say Raising Arizona. I think I always do say Raising Arizona. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at this point, Coen Brothers, yada, yada. I, I think I would have to go, like, with Adaptation. Okay. And yeah. he's not cagey in that. Mm-hmm. And... But I... I Adaptation is just one of those movies where we are reminded this man can fucking act. Yes, he puts out a lot of video on demand. Yes, he has debt he needs to clear. But this is one where it's like this. He knows what he's doing, guys. He knows how to act. He knows how to portray these characters. Now, granted, this is the one movie where he followed director Spike Jones's directions and didn't get mm-hmm. to take any liberties. So yeah. maybe that has something to do with it as well. well but we got to see him portray two different characters. Two different, yeah. You know? Kudos to Spike Jones for reigning no. Asian. That's not easy to do. <laughs> no. That's true. He's a visionary, though. When he makes a movie, it's probably exactly what he had imagined, I would think. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I feel yeah. like, does that mean Nick Cage has more professional respect for Spike Jones than other directors he's worked with? Maybe. To be able to say, I'll do what you tell me to do because he trusts his direction. Yeah. I mean, we don't know how that all came about. That was just but a little blurb on IMDb. Sure, really. of course. But maybe they fought, man. <laughs> or maybe it was kind of in the contract. Like, yes, I want you yeah. to portray these roles, but you cannot do you. I'll yeah. definitely watch that one. But yeah, I'm going to stick with Pink as far as recommending to mm-hmm. anyone if yeah. they're going to watch one Nick Cage movie. Yeah. Because you know what? That thing's a gateway drug. Yeah. Pig would definitely be my very close second. Yeah. I'll give you that. That is my very close second. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. We have gone on and on all afternoon. So I want to thank my guests, my tolerables for being here. Adam, so great to actually finally meet you. It was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. You too. Hi. I'll be back. Yes, you will. And so will Laura. And Adam, I'd love to have you back as well. So. Thanks for being here today, guys. Uh, Thanks, Mm -hmm. Bubblers, for listening. And keep streaming. Bye. 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 Say goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing wherever you get your podcast fix. Follow me on Twitter at StreamingBubble. Find me on Facebook and Instagram as MyStreamingBubble. 
Have thoughts, suggestions, questions, or want to be tolerated? Email me at mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and purchase My Streaming Bubble merch. All monetary support goes right back into this podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for your support and keep streaming.